Warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 274. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat, but it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. You're listening to the only podcast with the balls to bite a radioactive spider. It's Pop Culture Leftovers. Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm a fucking leftover. Let's do this shit. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, welcome back, Rebecca. Thanks. <laughs> what an intro. Yeah. I'm like I'm like Wait, yesterday's what? news. Roll out you just the, don't care. Roll out the red carpet for Rebecca. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what what do you want? Well, I I don't know. You don't have to be like Rebecca. You could just be like oh, Rebecca. Wow, listen, listen to listen to Queen Diva. Oh, whatever. Listen to Queen Diva over there. Not a Queen Diva, I assure you. A little bit, a little bit, happening a little bit. Uh, (laughs) And and here we are. Here's the moment we've all been waiting for. Oh, he's back, everybody. Rebecca, I'm going to really do this one up for our next guest. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, who fucking cares about Rebecca? It's all about this guy. Oh, no. Uh, second, third time on the podcast, I believe. Greg Alanti, welcome back, dude. Thank you so much. I know it's been tough with the avalanche of emails and letters asking for me to return, so uh, I'm here. I know. it's uh, We've been bombarded weekly, and I thought, you know what? We need to have – this needs to stop. We just got to get this guy back on. It's difficult. I, I just – I don't want to disappoint your fans all that much, so I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to have you back. Hey, guys, every March we pick one week in March, and we pay tribute to a service that uh, used to sponsor the podcast – uh, bumpers. We all remember the app Bumpers, where uh, you would get on your iPhone or your Android. Was it just iPhone? I believe it was just iPhone. 
It was just iPhones. Yeah. It wasn't available for Android. Yeah, you get on is a bumpers app, and you could get on your iPhone. You could record little podcasts, and other people could listen to them on the bumpers app. And we were a sponsor of bumpers. Well, bumpers uh, announced that they were dissolving last year. Uh, no, they did. They, yeah, that they were going away in March, and so every March uh, from now on, all of our bumpers for every segment. Uh, is going to be a bumper's bumper, <laughs> so except for the except for the ratings, but everything else is going to be everything else is going to be a. So you're not going to hear your regular bumpers that you would usually hear uh, every other week. So that's a thing that's happening just for one week only in March. We do it for one week, so just be prepared for that fucking shit. All right, who's who's the asshat that was wanting new bumpers? Here you go, fuckhead. Here's your new fucking <laughs> Here's your new fucking bumpers, you annoying piece of shit. You are so fucking goddamn annoying. That guy is so fucking annoying, Rebecca. I swear. That guy drives me up a fucking wall. That guy drives me up a fucking wall. I am this close to blocking that motherfucker. He is driving oh me. I am not even not kidding that, you. Huh? Oh yeah. The guy drives me nuts. Anyway, that's a, that's a I'm, wow, now I'm getting personal. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'll be honest with you. When we get the good pop, bad pop, I do not have a lot of content this week. I've been really selfish the last few days on what I've been kind of uh, consuming as far as like uh, my entertainment. I went back and I went and, uh, and I watched all three of the Lord of the Rings extended editions, the extended nice. films. Yes. I'm telling you, Greg, it's been a long time since I've watched, like, the Lord of the Rings movies. I'd say, I don't know, especially the extended ones. I mean, it's probably been over five years, I would believe. I've watched little bits in here and there and maybe watched, like, the standard editions. But as far as the extended and all three back to back, I can't tell you the last time I watched it. Probably five years or so. So what what was the total time in for all three of those? You're looking at like over 12 hours, man. Probably about 13, 13 and a half hours. That sounds uh, about right. <laughs> for, yeah. the, for the extended edition, yeah. Yeah. So how how well do you think the special effects held up for you watching them in 2019? Uh, they they did, but they don't. You know, it's weird because you when you're looking at – when I saw these movies in the theater back in 2001, 2002, and 2003 – Special effects looked amazing. I really had nothing else to compare it to except for, like, stuff that was way less – that wasn't as good. And, like, here we are in 2019, and the special effects are mind-blowing unless you're watching the final action set piece in Black Panther from last year. <laughs> but everything else, you know, everything else looks really fucking good in 2019. I mean, special effects are incredible what they can do with them. And um, here – I mean, here, here I'm watching – you know, uh, some of the stuff that we're seeing here in, like, the Lord of the Rings. Like, Gollum just didn't look as good as I remembered, you know? I thought Gollum looked way better. And I don't know if it has something to do with watching it in HD now and, like, back then just watching it in, you know, I don't know, 480, you know, DVD quality. So I don't know. It's – but it, it is impressive, all the all – the, some of the special effects are very impressive. Um, but I was I was really impressed by the practical effects. So – do you prefer the extended cuts? Like if you're just going to – if you feel like watching it, do you go extended or do you watch the theatrical ones? If I have the time, I will go extended every time, every time. But um, I think for the 
Uh, the Return of the King, I have to watch Extended Cut every time. Uh, for the first yeah. two, I can watch them. It doesn't matter. I, the Two Towers, I love that movie so much. I think it actually helps with the pacing just by watching the theatrical one because it's just, it's just so much fucking action. So Yeah, it, it's funny. During Fellowship, I remember one scene that was originally cut from the theatrical that's in the Extended, and it's Boromir telling... Um, uh, Strider at the time about Gondor and how beautiful it is and they play the beautiful Gondor theme in the background yeah. and when he died it made his death to me so much more emotional than what was already an emotional scene mm-hmm. so that that one's a tough cut and then you have obviously all the controversy with Christopher Lee's yes. death and the third movie I don't think he ever went to see he the didn't he boycott he boycott the film he's That's like right he didn't go and um it's crazy because I believe when you finish if, – if, when you went to the theaters and you watched the Christopher Lee-less cut, at the end when they are paying homage to all the actors and the characters that they played, you know, like, boom, they're flashing up with all the different actors. Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. you know, boom, they're showing like the little hand-drawn pictures on Billy Boyd, boom, and they're throwing them all up there. They show Christopher Lee and it's like – you didn't even throw him in the theatrical cut. Like, are you kidding me right now for this film? Right. And I mean, that ended up winning film of the year in 2003. That was the Oscar winner for the movie of the year. And uh, Christopher Lee's and you needed him in that. In uh, dude, those those scenes are pretty crucial, in my opinion. Yeah, it, that was a big dangling plot thread. If you're someone who wasn't familiar with the books and saw the second movie and not the third one. Yeah, yeah. It makes me want to go back and read the books. I haven't read the books since, like, my early 20s. Like, I read The Hobbit, and then I read, you know, fucking uh, Lord of the Rings, like, back-to-back. And it makes me want to go back and... I don't know. I had a lot of fun on this rewatch. I, th- I had a blast. I, you know, some of the stuff I was, like, kind of, like, joking around in my head with... Because I've seen him so many times, but I was... Like, when Frodo wakes up in bed in Rivendale, like... It's beautiful, man. It's like, why the fuck does, like, Crate and Barrel not have, like, a Rivendell collection? <laughs> it's fucking beautiful. It's like, if, if, like, Crate and Barrel or, like, Pier 1 Imports, like, they should jump on that shit, you know? Yeah. Have, have you seen the trailer for the Tolkien biopic? Yeah. Rebecca, you've seen it. You thought it was a... Yes. You, you thought it was the I, Amazon series. I stupidly thought it was the Amazon oh. series, but I have seen... Yeah, I've also seen the trailer for the biopic. Mm-hmm. If you guys talked about it, I apologize. I don't remember, but... Did you, so, and Rebecca, did you see They Should Not Grow Old? I don't know if you saw that movie. I did. Yes, I did see it in the theater. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. So when you were seeing all of that World War One footage, did you totally get a like a, a Lord of the Rings vibe, like just totally understanding what Tolkien was experiencing and why the movies felt that way? Yeah, you know what? Um, I could see that at the at the time. I'll be honest; I didn't really think about that. But you, you saying that now, I can absolutely see why you, why you would say that because I mean that was exactly around the time that he was writing all this stuff. Um, yeah, the World War One was an uh, inspiration for Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's all about, the, especially like the ripping down of the trees and, right. and sure. and uh, you know, building the building kind of like uh, things to for war, like tanks and stuff like that. That's basically, you know, he's taking what was happening in World War One and um, and putting it into these books. So. Okay. 
Yeah, I mean, certainly I'm I'm a fan of Lord of the Rings. Um, I, I'm as much of a fan as as the next person. I, I don't have a ton of knowledge on Tolkien himself, and like I, I know little. I, I know some stuff about his like why he wrote the books and stuff, but I, I'm by no means a, a, an expert. But um, yeah, I could absolutely. I mean, the, the 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 parallels are there, especially with the whole industrial revolution thing about how they were cutting down the trees, etc. I just want to add that in in the second movie, um, that Battle of Helm's Deep is absolutely, I think, one of the best, if not the best, uh, fight scenes or not not fight scenes, um, battle scenes I've ever seen in a movie. It is so incredibly well done. It is so epic. It is so sweeping. I mean, Game of Thrones comes close, but that Battle of Helm's Deep is an absolute gorgeous set piece to watch i literally tweeted out on twitter this week that battles helm's deep is my favorite battle ever filmed and i that beats hard home and that beats battle of bastards uh for game of thrones but helm's deep is my favorite on-screen battle that's ever been filmed it is incredible it, it, yeah, I can't. I can't really disagree with you there because it is absolutely gorgeous. And I mean, certainly, like it's it, you. You talking about it makes me want to go back and now rewatch those movies again too, because um, I did enjoy them. I saw all of them in the theater. I I own all three of them, and certainly, I I think like like I haven't seen them like super recently, but. I think it's it's the practical effects that always just amaze me every time, like how much work they did with body doubles and yeah. building sets to make people seem larger or smaller. Um, that that kind of stuff, I think, is super mind blowing because I, it's just gorgeous. I think The Hobbit, like once they got to those movies, they felt like, oh, we can do it all with special effects now. I felt like yeah. they, they were confident enough to do some of the things with special effects for like the original three. But like. In other stuff, they had to go practical. They knew it. But I think when they got to The Hobbit, they are like, we can do it all in special effects now. Because, like, we're there. We've arrived. The special effects are there now. We can do this stuff. And it kind of took away from that. It kind of took away from, like, everything, all the practical stuff that I loved in the first three films. Um, th- th- I, oh, my God. I loved uh, – and I think it's, it's, it's only in the extended version when uh, Galadriel, played by Kate Blanchett um, – they're at uh, Rivendale, and she's given the fellowship each their own special gift. And, uh, you know, Frodo gets the, the water that's like the light or whatever. And I think they show that in the actual theatrical cut. But like everybody else, they get like a special little weapon. Gimli, Gimli basically starts professing how beautiful she is. And, uh, you, know, you know, Galadriel's beautiful and you're so beautiful. It's, it, it's a really sweet scene. You can kind of see her blush. Mm-hmm. But it goes into later what he asked her for. And he's like, I asked her for one hair from her head. And he goes, and she gave me three. <laughs> and I'm just like, and I'm just like, that is adorable. Oh, I love Gimli. I loved yeah, it. it- it's adorable. Now, Rebecca, if some guy asked you at a bar for a strand of your hair, I mean, how are you processing that, though? If a rando guy asked me for a strand of my yeah, hair? You're at a bar in New York, and some guy's like, hey, let me get a strand of your hair. I'm calling 911. That's what I'm doing. I'm not giving <laughs> him a strand of my hair. That is fucking weird. <laughs> 
Yeah. It is a really charming scene, and I also wonder what he did with that hair, you know? Well, he probably made a hair doll. Did you ever see, what was that movie? <laughs> Where the guy, he would like, he was kind of a weird stalker guy. It was a comedy. Yeah. And he would take, like, the hair, and he would make a hair doll out of the girls that he had crushes on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, yeah. I bet there was, was the that Jason? times had with the hair doll. Yeah, that was probably, yeah, Jason. Was that Jason Schwartzman? Is that his name? That yeah. sounds like a movie he would do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> was it, he, he, he was in um, American Pie, right? No. No. Oh. no. You're thinking of Jason well, like, Biggs. Oh, I had the Jason part right. Uh, um, I'm thinking of Jason, Jason Schwartzman. Schwartzman. He he likes to do Wes Anderson films. Yes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Gotcha, gotcha. Ah, Rebecca. I know. I'm very confused. God bless you. I, I don't know what's going on. God bless you. Um, <laughs> you know, one of, one of hey, one of my favorite things and one of the silliest things was in Return of the King when uh, they resurrect a dead army. And he just sets them loose at the Battle of Minas Tirith. And uh, I looked at it, and it, it reminded me of the old Scrubbing Bubbles commercial. <laughs> remember the, remember, the, remember the, you remember you know what I'm talking about, the Scrubbing yeah. Bubbles? Those scratches were vicious. They fucked up those bacteria. Yeah, yeah. It was those little, those little scrubbers, and they had, like, googly eyes, and they were cartoons, and they would just, like, clean your fucking tub. Well, the, this, this dead army goes all Scrubbing Bubbles. And just starts destroying orcs and goblins. <laughs> yeah, those those scrubbers had huge smiles on their faces when they were murdering millions of colonies of bacteria. That's they true. Fucking that bacteria up, and they were happy. Another thing that I wanted to point out in the Return of the King is the scene where uh, what was his name? The steward of Gundor is going to kill his son Faramir. He, he says mm-hmm. Faramir's dead. And he's like, "Get me wood and oil," and they're gonna they're gonna light a bonfire and kill his son here put him on a funeral pyre and so Gandalf's like stop this madness and then they all fight and then he gets caught on fire and he's running on the top of the this castle on Gundor <laughs> and he dives he literally just jumps off of this tower of Gundor and he's falling into the battle where all the orcs and the goblins and the orc eye are fighting and I'm thinking to myself like what are they going to think when this flaming guy hits the ground? <laughs> like, are they, like, at that point, are they thinking, like, wow, these guys are really changing up their battle strategy. Are we going to see more of this? You know what I mean? Like, what are they thinking at that point? They're literally setting people on fire and throwing them at us. Right. These guys are not messing These up. guys they, are fucking nuts. <laughs> I think that would even scare, like, orcs. Like, orcs would be like, Whoa. Whoa! Be like, look, I, I I'm evil, but that's another level. Yeah, like, that's fucked up. That. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was actually a scene in the extended extended cut that was removed where uh, Mary and Pippin are about to get killed, and a flaming steward falls on the orc that was going to kill him and saves them. Ah, uh, that, that wasn't funny. No, no, no it wasn't at all. <laughs> um, you know, sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go now. No, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Um. There's a there's the scene where you know um they they you know uh, Peter Jackson threw in a lot of love stuff in this one like all the ladies are falling for Aragon you know you got Arwen she she loves Aragon and what was it? the the daughter of the uh, not daughter but like the niece of the king of Rohan the Aowen Aowen challenges is the names are very similar very yeah. similar mm-hmm. yeah same they thing are. same thing with Sauron and Saruman. 
Uh, but anyway, Aon, there's a scene where she's like, you know, she sees that uh, that uh, Aragon didn't go over the ledge. He's not dead. Everybody thought he was dead. And now he's back. And then he's greeted by Legolas. And she's going to she's going to go over there and be like, I'm so happy to see Aragon. I I love you. And, and then all of a sudden she sees Aragon and and Legolas share this little moment. And uh, if you watch it, it kind of looks like she's figuring out that Legolas and Aragorn's got something going together. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, subplot. But then later on in the movie, at the end of it, before they show Arwen, Legolas introduces, uh, not introduces, but he uh, reunites. He's getting ready to reunite, you know, uh, Aragorn with Arwen. And it looks like they're about it looks like they are revealing that they're together in that moment. And so I was just like, oh, my gosh, what if Eowyn thought this whole time, like she thought that Legolas and Aragorn were a thing. And then then it finally at the end, she's like, oh, my. OK, oh, I guess there is an elf woman. OK, I don't I feel stupid. <laughs> yeah. I never caught that. I never caught on to that. It's pretty amazing when you watch it like that. There. It's pretty amazing when you watch it through those eyes because it's it's like it's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah. Legolas busted out the cock ring of doom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I, honestly, that's I you know, Orlando Bloom. That I think that's like his most memorable character, his most memorable role in my opinion. Even like I, I can't. I know he did the Pirates of the Caribbean stuff, but man, he's he was just made for that Legolas character. He yeah, was, he was. I liked him in the Cameron Crowe movie. I don't remember which one it was now. The one where his dad dies. Uh, <laughs> oh, is that um, Elizabeth Town? I think it was. Yeah, he was. Yeah, that that was a good movie. It was a very um, it was kind of a sleeper hit. Like it was a very sort of quiet little movie. I thought he was really good in that, too. But like in this movie, in the Lord of the Rings um trilogy he he kind of just came out of nowhere and then he was like boom and he was like really good looking and all the all the young girls were like swooning over orlando bloom and and then like didn't he get into a really bad he got into like a bad accident he like it hurt his back or something and he was laid up for quite a while and i think he stepped back from acting for a bit i don't know i don't remember that I think so. I, I could be totally wrong. Cause probably. I'm wrong about it. I probably I know. am. Just make I it don't up. seem to know anything about anything. Orlando so. Bloom fan fiction. I am. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then. It's like, and then I nursed him back to health uh-huh. and we lived happily ever after. Gosh. The end. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, now he works at a packing plant. Like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> going on because just making shit up over here um i'd like to take a minute to mention our sponsors uh for this week over at impact theory comics uh impact theory comics is a new independent publisher and they're releasing their first comic neon future this comes out in march but uh you can get a free copy of it now it's about uh the world is in the grips of an economic crisis due to mass unemployment advanced technology has been outlawed the world is now divided between those with implanted technology and those without when the world's most famous anti-tech crusader dies and is resurrected using the illegal technology he has sworn to eliminate he must decide who to fight 
with his terrifying new powers. Uh, it's uh, com- The comic is a collaboration between world-famous DJ producer Steve Aoki, and it's written by Eisner Award-winning writer of Justice, Jim Kruger, uh, with artwork by Neil Edwards and Jeremy Rapak. So if you are looking for an awesome comic book with science fiction, put Neon Future on your pull list right now. And if you want to get the co- uh, you want to get a copy of this book before you decide, you can read the digital issue for free if you just follow them on Instagram. Uh, just give them a follow at IT Comics and click the link in their bio, and then they will send you details on how to get the free digital issue so just follow at it comics on instagram greg have you read the fucking book i downloaded the thing but mm-hmm. i have not read it yet but it's coming up soon nice awesome yeah rebecca you loved it i loved it so everybody check it out neon future from impact theory comics and finally uh michael cannon has started convention season so i'm gonna give this guy a break until from the michael cannon mashups that we kind of put out there every week uh until he tells me that it's safe to start doing them again because i know he's you know he's going to the conventions and drawing commissions and that you know you got to get money you got to get paid first right he just does this for fun and to be nice yeah for sure gotta get that money first yeah Yeah. hey and jake will be back next week everybody all right Jeez, no, not like anybody's been hounding me or anything. But, yeah, just don't worry. Don't worry. Jake will be back next week for Captain Marvel. We'll be doing Captain Marvel next week. So I want to jump into our Dark Phoenix trailer number two. This is the second trailer for Dark Phoenix, and I want to break this bad boy down. But before we break it down, I want to go ahead and rate it. And here is our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Greg, uh, what did you think about the Dark Phoenix trailer number two? So there's been, from what I can tell, a lot of intense hate thrown at this trailer. And I try to separate myself from what I read about it. Um, That being said, I think this is a steaming pile of horseshit. And I'm sorry. I have a very strong negative reaction to what I saw. Number one, you're going to kill off a main character in a fucking trailer? A character that we followed along three movies and you're going to kill her in an advertisement for the movie. I had a big problem with that. It felt like I was also seeing reduxed scenes from X-Men The Last Stand that are being rejiggered for this. You know, it's it's hard to toss a movie just because of the trailer. But if the goal of the trailer was to get me excited to go see it, it failed miserably. Um, I was actually really interested in the movie. And now I'll probably see it if I have nothing else to do. So I'm going to have to toss it. Toss it from Greg. Uh, Rebecca, what would you think? Uh, yeah, I uh, actually for a long time had zero interest in seeing this movie. Um, I have to agree with Greg on a lot of stuff. Uh, if the trailer is to be believed, we watched the funeral of a main character in a trailer. And I think that that's bullshit. Um I think this is just uh, I don't like Mystique's makeup here. I, I get that they're trying to invoke her look in the 90s X-Men comics. And I will uh, say that it does come close ish, but I really do not like it very much. Um, I think this is going to be more shit like we saw in Apocalypse. 
Um, there was some stuff that was like okay in the trailer. I just don't feel. I mean, I don't feel super excited still to watch this movie. Um, I'm gonna toss it too. I was kind of at a low taste it, but I'm just like, but why? I don't even. I can't even think of something that. I, I could think of to make me say, oh, I really th- this is redeeming in this trailer. Um, I'm going to toss it too. I just, I didn't like it. I just think this is, this is the last stand all over again. You called it, Greg. It's, and, and it's just more of the same. And I just have this feeling we're going to see Magneto once again go from being a bad guy to just this once yeah. I'll team up with you, Charles. Like I have in every other movie they've done, so yeah, I just, I'm gonna toss it. Oh, wow, um, yeah, I uh, I didn't hate it as much as you guys, uh, and I didn't get a lot of what you guys are getting out of the trailer as well. Um, I feel like um, as far as uh, with it, I, you know, the X Men: The Last Stand with, with that movie, we we're also handling they were handling two different things. They were spinning too too many plates in that movie. We were dealing with Weapon X and you know, uh, the Phoenix, you know, the dark Phoenix saga. And it's like, you took, you know, those should be completely separate movies. Like weapon X should be like a, like a dedicated Logan film, a Wolverine film. And you know, the, the dark Phoenix saga should be like shit, maybe two movies. You know, I mean, you could break that into two movies. We're getting infinity war broken up basically into two movies here. Um, so they're at least dedicating one movie not to Weapon X, but they're they're dedicating this at least to the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, I uh, I liked the first trailer a lot more. I felt like uh, I'm just I guess I'm I am excited to see um, you know McAvoy coming back as Xavier and and uh, you know uh, Fastbender come back as Magneto. I, I think that this one's going to make. Charles a big time villain and I think we're going to get the formation of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and I think instead of seeing like the classic like you know I'm going to team up with you Charles I think it's like Nicholas Holt's character of Beast is actually turned on on Charles here so I think you know maybe by the third act you're right Rebecca that they'll all have to attack um, either the Phoenix, uh, Jean Grey Phoenix or they'll have to attack Jessica Chastain's character but um, I think think for the first two acts of this movie that they're going to be you know battling each other i don't know i um i'm not a huge fan of um game of thrones girl as jean gray um <laughs> i can't remember her name off the top sophie of my turner. sophie turner i'm just not a big fan of her as jean gray in these movies um uh i i'm gonna give it a, just a solid taste it um my excitement has wavered quite a bit, though, from this trailer because, like, this is the second trailer, and now after this, we're going to get, you know, mostly TV spots. Um, maybe, maybe one more trailer, but, like, I think they're trying to keep this third act so tight um, that that's probably a detriment to the film because, like, that, I, you know, I want to see an amazing action set piece for like that the third act and nothing here none of the action that i saw here really got me too excited like the we'll talk about the train but like didn't we have a train in the last movie i think days of future past there was a train yeah yeah i'm trying to remember yeah there was one of these movies where we had a train and we're back on a train Mm-hmm. so i i just feel like um, i'm sorry i'm stepping on your review I'm no sorry, you're fine no i'm done 
I'm, I'm seriously done. We're going to start, I'm going to start breaking it down next, but I was done talking. Yeah. I, I just feel like, I don't know. There's nothing in here that for me, for me, that I said, Oh man, what a way to go out on a bang to end the, the, the Fox X-Men franchise. Nothing in this trailer said that to me. And I just, uh, I mean, this is the, this is it. This is the last Fox X-Men movie. And it, sh- shouldn't this be like a really great capper, like to end the whole series and this trailer, and it might be, who knows? It could be, but this trailer didn't show me that. Mm. And I think that's yeah. why I just feel so like meh about it. Like, I just don't feel excited for this movie. I just gave it a taste and it's not like I said, it fucking blew the doors off my fucking house. No, yeah. no, I, I know, I know. But like, I, you obviously liked it more than, than, sure. than I did or than, or than Greg did. Yeah, so, it still has yeah. a lot of mystery to it. I, I mean, there, I, I want to know more about Jessica Chastain's character. I want to know what happens uh, in New York with all the destruction. Um, and there were some, I don't know. Let's start breaking this one down. Um, and maybe as, I, as I'm breaking it down, maybe you guys will start to understand a little bit of how, you know, what, what I think is interesting about this one. We get the trailer and it starts with Jean and she's in the rain. She's sitting down, leaning against a wall in an alley. And this is a shot that we actually saw in the first trailer. Um, but now we hear her say, why did you make me do that? She was my friend. And then we get a scene of her confronting the X-Men in what looks like a regular town. Um, uh, Mystique is trying to help her and confronts her and tells her to just listen to the sound of her voice, followed by, I'm not going to give up. I'm not giving up on Eugene. So um, when when she says, why did you make me do that? She was my friend, you know she's definitely talking to the Phoenix. Like the Phoenix has taken over at that point. Like it's not a hundred percent taken over. Cause she's, she's, she's talking about it right now. She's talking to the Phoenix, but mm-hmm. we're finding out that the Phoenix is taking over when it wants to and making her do things. And so when we hear Mystique say like, you're my family, Gene, no matter what, and she touches Jean, and that infuriates Jean more, and she yells and then shoots a blast out from her body. That sends Mystique flying. That's the moment we think where Mystique dies, right? I, yes. I think so. And mm-hmm. just to pick up on something you said earlier, Rebecca, the change in makeup for Mystique, I, I think has less to do with making her look like the 90s version and more to do with Jennifer Lawrence not wanting to put that much makeup on. And that's probably, <laughs> probably. Why she, yeah, why she has, you know, a suit with long sleeves and all that. Now, the about the only positive thing I'll say is I do like the sort of Grant Morrison, Frank Quitely look in the, the costumes look pretty cool. Um, but I, I have a problem with what they've done with Mystique's character in... Um, number one, the makeup looking shitty because Jennifer Lawrence doesn't want to wear it. And number two, constantly having her look like Jennifer Lawrence, which kind of undermines the whole interesting part of the character from the earlier movies. You know, she's proud of what she looks like. And if you don't like that, too bad. But nope, now she's making herself look like Jennifer Lawrence. Well, that's the, that's been a I mean, nobody expected and they didn't expect this, that when they first cast her, that she right. was going to be the Hunger Games girl and blow up and be one of the biggest actresses on the planet. And that's just kind of like it, it was a. It was kind of like a good thing and a bad thing. So it's 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 a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because 
she can put butts in seats, but on the flip side, it's like now you've got to make Mystique a more important character in these movies than she really should be. She should just be like, not saying that she can't be an important character, but she's not what, I mean, what they made her out to be in these movies. Like she's nothing like that in the comics. They've totally just changed this character completely because of her star status. Mm hmm. Yeah, for sure. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, it, it, it is a real shame. I, um, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think they just they just make her the focus way too much of these movies. But I get why they do it. I, I understand why. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like I bring up like the, the this entire first scene, and you guys didn't even respond to any of none of that. Is basically we talked about her makeup and her star status. <laughs> like you yeah. guys do not I'll... give a flying fuck about what happened in this first scene at all, and I can just tell well, that right now. And I commented, but here's what I'll say. If my prediction for what it's worth is that she actually does die here. I don't think this is misdirection. I, I don't either. Legit does die here. I yeah. do too. I'm I'm 100 behind that. And if you remember. Listening to the first time that me and Jake broke down the first trailer, even though I know Gene dies in the comics, I think that maybe Gene dies out in space this time and then comes back and the Phoenix brings her back while she's out in space. But anyway, I think that I even said it then. I think it's Mystique that dies. So mm-hmm. do, do you think this is do you think we'll see Mystique die early in the movie? Yeah. Or are we looking oh, at yeah. something that happens later on? This is like directly when they come back from space. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. This is early on in the movie because we don't see her. And I'll talk about who we see at the final uh, scenes of this, uh, the, the, you know, at the, towards the end of this trailer, which I do believe is closer towards the third act of the film. We do see the new formation of the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants and then Charles's team. And she's not present. She's not present right. for most of this trailer, and I think that's because she's fucking dead. So, okay. yeah, I think she gets taken out and killed here pretty early. Um, we, um, we see Jessica Chastain's character talking to Jean and tells her that she's special and that she needs to embrace her powers and to stop fighting the force inside of her. Um, we don't know 100% who Chastain is playing, but the rumor is, she's that, uh, is that she's a scroll. And uh, Kinberg, Simon Kinberg, the director, has confirmed that she's not mastermind from the comics. Um, He also said this about her character at one time. He said she is from, let's say, not our planet, her character. I'll keep it relatively mysterious, but it is a cosmic story in a way that is extraterrestrial, which is something we've never done in the X-Men movies before. But it is obviously something that is integral to the Dark Phoenix story, so I felt we couldn't do what we did on X3 and ignore that. We had to actually embrace it, so there's a fair amount that takes place in space, and the inciting incident that starts to turn Jean, let's say, dark and fill her with this power that she can't control happens in space, and then there are forces from space that come to Earth because of that. I don't know. I mean, that sounds like scrolls to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me too. Mm. Yeah, people it, it will makes say- me think there has to be some plot line in which they perceive her as a threat, or that they can take advantage of her. That's the only thing that makes sense. Oh, well, I think that they are using Chastain's character is using Jean to get what she wants. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's clear from the trailer here. It seems that she is taking on like a like a mentor role or like almost like a motherly role towards her and saying, you know, kind of offering her guidance. And um, yeah, I think absolutely she's using Jean for her own for her own ends. We uh, we then get shots uh, from Jean's trip to space where the uh, X-Men are on a mission to help a crew of astronauts who are in danger out there. So these guys are stranded out there. They're in danger, something. And this is where she seems to obtain the power of the uh, Phoenix. Uh, she's in a ship here with Mystique, Beast, Quicksilver, and Storm. And then the other ship, the spaceship, looks like it explodes out there in space. And I think that that's the power of the Phoenix that does that. Um, and then we get a quick shot of what looks like Charles and Cyclops Reaction after Gene sends Mystique flying. So Charles looks scared of the power that she possesses here. Um, I don't know. Any any comments? I, I don't know. Just jump in here if you have anything to say about any of these scenes. Otherwise, I can keep going. Yeah. Are, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. You first. I, I was going to ask our... We're going. I think this is addressed later on in the in the trailer. But it's the same thing of like Charles when he recruited her could sense that there was like something in her, and he he did something with her mind, like to keep it contained. Is that what we're going to see in this movie? You think? Yeah, I'm going to actually. That, I got that in my notes here about Charles um, and what he's going to do here, um, and I think it happens. I think it's some of the stuff that we see in this trailer and some of the stuff that we see in the previous trailer of her parents dying. And I think he's kind of yeah. suppressing her memories there. We'll, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more. I, I didn't know if you guys had any questions about like what, like the wanted to comment on the space stuff or anything else. I, I think it, it's a little bit of an exclamation point as to why I really hated this trailer. So I get that Fox takes liberties with the comic material. And in some cases it works out really well, like days of future past. Where I'm really frustrated with this trailer is when I think of the Dark Phoenix saga, whether they stick to the story or not, it's it's a saga and it's supposed to be big. It's you know like the X-Men versus the Imperial Guard, you know, fighting to the death for the life of their teammate and, you know, these you know planets being blown up. And um, I just sat through Infinity War last year. And Fox is selling me on the Dark Phoenix saga. But other than this brief shot in space, everything seems to be happening in suburban New York. Couldn't they be pulling uh, it, back on that? For, for Couldn't they be hiding that from us? You know, based on this, those statements from Kinberg, like, you know, like, I don't think they want to show too much of that stuff because I, I don't think that they want to reveal that these are scrolls. I think I and I'm going to get to that because I know that there's a there's a action set piece. But like. I think that, don't you think that, like, I get the feeling that the final battle will take place in space. It, I, I hope so. Let me put it that way. I, you know, I just get the feeling like if they're going to show us Mystique dying to sell tickets, they would have shown us something in space to sell tickets. Yeah. But maybe yeah. that's my cynicism. You know, I don't if, if it is a big story, if it feels like an epic and like a saga, I take that back. It just it feels yeah. very, very small to me. No, and I'm not saying this. This trailer did not blow me away by any means. And it's it's you know, I think you give I think you give Kevin Feige and, you know, the people of Marvel Studios a crack at this and we're going to get a completely different story. And it's going to we're going to get a trailer that blows us away. I mean, 
So I guess I guess like I I really want this uh, this whole universe that they've been doing for nearly twenty years now to go out with a bang, man. And I really have enjoyed for the most part the performances of McAvoy and Fassbender as these characters. I haven't always enjoyed like what they've been doing in these movies, but for the most part, I feel like they both really embody those characters ever since First Class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, generally, I'm a fan, too. I felt the same way about Apocalypse that most people did. But that's why I'm, it, it, this is frustrating to me. Yeah, it's it's yeah. really just frustrating to see this going out like yeah, this. And, it's a different director, know, though. It's not Singer coming back, though. I mean, it's a completely correct. new director, but it's also Simon Kinberg, who's never directed before. So, you know. No, and I have to admit there's something in my head here. So, and maybe I'm bringing this into my feeling about the trailer, and that's not fair, but... I heard I heard an interview with Simon Kinberg. I, I think it was with Kevin Smith a few years ago. Yeah. And he was talking about The Last Stand and how, whether it was the studio or whomever, he was forced to basically write, and you alluded to this earlier, the Dark Phoenix Saga. And I think it was The Gift, the Joss Whedon story with The, the Cure. I'm sorry, The Cure, not The Gift. And how he felt like, ultimately, the fact that he had to mesh those two storylines was why The Last Stand wasn't good. Yeah. I, I almost, maybe I'm looking too much into it. It feels a little bit like this is like a vanity project for him. Like, you know what? Let let me write the story that I would have written in The Last Stand if the studio didn't force me to insert Joss Whedon's gifts, uh, cure storyline into it. And I'm even seeing like the same, more or less the same costume for Jean. I'm seeing scenes in which she's a little girl that kind of feel like those scenes with Charles in yeah. her home early. So I, it, I don't know. I just get a really bad feeling from this thing. That makes sense, man. Yeah, it's like, uh, oh, let me make the film that I wanted to make originally uh, right. without the – yeah. Yeah, I get it. And we've all forgotten about the last damn and he has to fucking remind us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It, it. I don't know. It feels like a decade later we're back to this story, you know. So – uh, we get another shot of the funeral that we saw in the first trailer. Uh, we see Beast and we see Charles, and they're both on opposite sides of this uh, of the screen. And so that's pretty telling, in my opinion, as to you know how their friendship is going to shake out throughout the course of this film. That they're going to be you know on opposite sides of everything going forward. Um, I still like I, I was talking about earlier, like you were talking about earlier, Greg. I still believe that this is Mystique's funeral. Um, thought that since the first trailer and i know gene dies and she has a funeral in the in the comics but i think that this is mystique's death i think this is like kind of like the way to get her out of this and um maybe gene dies in space and that's and this and the phoenix brings her back while she's out in space because don't we see her in this trailer like outside of the ship in space and that's when like the that's when the it's almost like the phoenix force chooses her Mm-hmm. Yeah, that it, it makes sense what you're saying that we'll see her die in space and then the Phoenix will like bring her back. Um, yeah, I just uh, I just wondering why they didn't lean into that a little bit more rather than show us the funeral. But I mean, whatever, it's it's done. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think we're going to see that final third act is going to be in space. We see a shot of the X-Mansion here. Uh, Charles saying to somebody, she'll kill us all. Uh, I think he's talking to Mystique in that clip and uh, trying to justify the decisions that he's made about Jean since he became her guardian. Um, We see Jean using her powers to torture Magneto 
in a clip. She's he's got his helmet on and it looks like she's using her telekinetic powers to like crush his helmet against his head. And we see that his eyes are bloodshot and he's being tortured and we see it we see a tear coming down her cheek. So she's trying to fight this. She's still in there somewhere and this is still like this is bothering her that she's doing this. It's really affecting her. And we see mm-hmm. a, we see a tear running down her cheek and this is the phoenix doing this 100% i believe it's 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 taking over when it wants to and i think that like that's one of the positives that i have from this trailer is kind of like seeing like the struggle between gene and the phoenix here and gene and you know i want to see i want to see how this all shakes out i want to see how right. it shakes out with like i know charles she's going to be pissed off at charles once she finds out that what charles did to like mind wiper or whatever She's going to be pissed at Charles, but I want to see how she reacts to the other X-Men. I want to see how she reacts after she kills Mystique. I want to see how she reacts, you know, with Cyclops and the love that she has for Cyclops. And um, I don't know. These are all things that I, I kind of want to see. And, and, and from the first trailer, when um, when she seeks out Magneto, it's almost like she's she's looking to Magneto for answers, for help. And I and I want to I want to see where that conversation goes. So hmm. I don't know. Just, go ahead. I was going to say it's it's interesting that if she sees Charles now as an enemy, obviously for what he's done to her, um, wiping her mind or whatever he's done, um, to see her turn to Magneto as Charles' enemy and look to him for help. I mean, I think you know if if we're going to try to talk about positives here, certainly. If we see Sophie Turner have a chance to sort of, you know, show this struggle, show this duality, show this, I know you're the quote unquote bad guy, but I don't trust the good guy right now. And and certainly creating like all that conflict. I mean, that's really what the X-Men movies have really always been about is, you know, Charles and and Meg uh, and and Eric uh, once, you know, terribly close friends and now enemies even though they don't really want to be enemies and i there's a lot of potential here i guess kind of like greg i feel a little wary i just i don't have confidence but i mean but it's certainly the opportunity is there what's what's cool for me is the fact that in this one that charles is the bad guy right yeah i I totally see what you're saying about that. And I think that could be really interesting to see a character that we've always seen as, you know, the as the good one to be put into that bad guy role. And And I I, think that that could be good. And I think what's going to happen here is that Gene is going to have this power. She's going to go to Magneto and she's going to basically he's going to he's basically going to have the ultimate weapon at his doorstep now saying, what should I what should I do? And when she, when he doesn't tell her what she wants him to tell her, as far as like you know, let's and I don't know what that is. I, I think it has to do with 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 some destruction here. And I and and base and I don't think that we're we're, we're going to find out that Magneto's not as evil <laughs> as we think he is. And that's what's going to send her in the direction of Jessica Chastain's character for guidance. Mm, Okay. Whatever Magneto tells her, she doesn't like to hear that either. She doesn't like to hear that either. So whatever he tells her, he's not. She's not going to like it. And so that's when she's going to get guidance from Jessica Chastain's character, and that's when she's going to get led down this wrong path. So um, we get we get Cyclops talking with Professor X inside of Cerebro 
in the trailer and asking him how they're going to fix this. And he's wanting instructions on, like, what to do. And then Charles yells back at him, I don't know what to do. And um, so we're going to I mean, Cyclops is finally old enough to kind of like realize that his mentor here doesn't have all the answers and actually causes a lot of these problems himself. And um, when I mean, that's one of the things here, like he's this is this guy has been his mentor. This guy has been the one that they've gone to. And here he is. He's got none of the answers. And he's 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 what caused this problem to begin with. Um, And. This scene is probably a scene of them trying to use Cerebro to find Gene and him realizing that since she's inherited the powers of a god, you're not going to find her like you would find other mutants. So she's just out there in the wild. And, um, yeah, she's like mm-hmm. a she's like a nuclear bomb ready to go off. And, and to, to me, like the whole tension between Scott and Charles is something that really is intriguing and you know the comics have done very well and I that does sound really interesting to me. I don't know if I need to see I can't believe I'm saying this but Magneto and Charles and their ideological divide like fucking enough, it's like I'm watching Ross and Rachel get back together for the 50th fucking time. I just don't know like when I see this movie am I going to feel like Magneto should be in this story? Like what 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 role and purpose does he play in this particular story? Other than the casting that requires him to be there, I, I honestly I think it has to do with the, the new formation of the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. We're going to see Beast swing over to his side, which I think is going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah, and I I mean, also I think that he, you know you've got to have him there. She's going to go to both sides. She knows that she's like fuck you know fuck Charles Charles, look what he did to me. And so she's going to go to Magneto for guidance. And she's I don't know, man. I, I, I it's fucking fast bender. I want to see him, man. I get it. I get it. It's just it's it's hard for me to even fathom. I mean, this is probably in my mind, yeah. the greatest comic hero villain rivalry there is. Yeah. You could say Batman, Joker, whatever. It's They're up there. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, yeah. It feels tired to me. I, I've had enough for now. You know, the, if Marvel right. gets the. What's that? You're right. They've done. I mean, I'm not going to dispute that. Like, I feel like the last three movies, they've just kind of like recycled the same story. And but with this one, I'm it's kind of the same thing. But on the, I think it's on the flip side now. I feel like I feel like Charles is the bad guy and I Magneto's in the right this time. And it happens that way in the comics, too, where like, you know, like Magneto's going to do what he can do for the greater good of the mutants. And if that happens to fall in with, like, the right thing to do, then he's a good guy in that moment. So. But I see what you're saying. Like, they've, they've recycled this whole, this whole relationship between these two where they're, they're constantly, at, at, you know, on, on opposite sides with each other. And we've, and we've seen them kind of, like, work together by the end of these movies. We've seen it happen a lot it's been recycled over mm-hmm. and over again yeah, yeah. Mean, you ever have a friend that got back with the same girlfriend or boyfriend for the eighth time oh and yeah it's like oh my god for fuck's sake just stay away right it's like the same when i see them both on screen it's the way i feel yeah 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 i i i don't know i there's just there's i'm hoping that they can make this better i'm just the, the thing is for the, the thing that's interesting to me is the fact that they're it all goes back, and I've said it over and over and over again, but it feels like Charles is the villain here, and I, I think that that's interesting. That is 
interesting enough for me to have my butt sitting in the seat, the theater, day one when this comes out. For me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree that to see that swap would be super interesting and it would be cool to see it on on screen it's just at the same time i I don't know i feel like i'm caught in the middle here i'm like uh i'm like that friend who's like but maybe it'll work out i don't know probably not but maybe (laughs) like i i I can't disagree with you either greg like it's just been overdone at this point let's let's okay let's break down this this whole trailer and then we can just hash it out okay okay all right because i feel like we I feel like what happens here is you guys, I, I'm breaking it down. You get disinterested and you're just talking about like this, why you hate it. It's, it's not, I, I really would like to have discussions on what I'm talking about. Like, I'm sorry. And then, I'm and then sorry. once I'm done. Talk about Brian's you, ex-girlfriends. Huh? I'm sorry? <laughs> From a few episodes ago. Sorry, Brian. Go ahead. I, I didn't hear what you said. But I, let's, said, I said, can we talk about Brian's ex-girlfriends? Oh, shit. That will be here all fucking night. <laughs> Um, I, let's just break down the whole trailer, and then you guys can uh, then you guys can uh, shit and piss on this entire thing. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see here. We've got um, Jessica Chastain's character saying, "All they don't understand, they fear, and what they fear." And then Gene says, "They seek to destroy." Um, while this was going on, we see shots of Cyclops. Uh, helping to carry Professor X, and there's uh, fire and rubble all behind them. And uh, we then see a shot of Quicksilver bouncing off of what looks like pieces of a home that Jean blew up and going at her. Uh, He's bouncing off these pieces, and he's going to attack her. And I'll be honest with you, this is from the same scene that we saw at the beginning between the battle between him and uh, and it between her in that town with the X-Men confronting her. And this is where she throws Mystique, you know, sends Mystique off flying and probably kills her. I've also noticed that additional scenes in this trailer, we don't see any more Quicksilver either. So either he's like badly injured or he dies here, too. So hmm. he, he could possibly die here because. OK. I mean, yeah, I could, we don't I could see him. <laughs> we don't Sorry. see. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> we don't we don't see him anywhere later. Like there's scenes in the train later. There's 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 multiple scenes later uh, within this trailer. You do not see Quicksilver past that um you see him in the space scene and you see him in this town scene and that's kind of like where where we believe that mystique dies and this also could be the end of his character in the movie he could be taken out just by injury or he could die as well um we also see a shot of jessica chastain's character she's looking out over new york new york city and we know that they had actually shot scenes from a set piece that was the uh united nations building in new york uh, there were photos that were leaked of a battle that took place there. Um, and uh, I've actually got the details on what happened from that leak. And this was a leak from filming back in 2017. And this was the actual scroll rumor that came out. And this comes from X, what was it? Universo X-Men. And it was from last year. Uh, no, October of 2017 is when this, this leak dropped. 
and they said the filming of the X-Men Dark Phoenix has come to an end and very little information about the film has been released, which leaves the film wrapped in a series of questions and mysteries about details of the adaptation of the plot of new characters. But news uniquely obtained from a reliable Canadian source of the X-Men universe may shock fans. According to her scenes, so whoever their sources, um, I guess it's safe to assume that uh, it was probably an extra that was on the set. So they don't know everything, but this, this comes from an extra that was probably on the set. Uh, it was recorded, and I just lost where I was. Give me a second here. Yeah, it was recorded to count on the presence of aliens, and they would be the scrolls. So that lines up with Kinberg's statements that we talked about earlier, like this alien cosmic involvement. They don't say scrolls, but both Fox and Marvel Studios can use scrolls. Those are, those are aliens that they can both use in their films. Um, I think Fox owns the rights to Super Scrolls, but um, and there may be individual scrolls that Marvel can use and individual scrolls that Fox can use, but they can both use scrolls in their films. Um, one source confirmed several events and scenes of X-Men Apocalypse before its debut, so they are taking this information very seriously. They say the scenes in question are at the UN building, which is hosting some discussion on mutants with various groups of protests and in favor of them. This lines up with what we see in this trailer, too, which blows me away. The scenes are in question. Uh, yeah, the scene are at the U.N. building. They're hosting a discussion on the mutants with various groups of protests against them and in favor of them at the site. Besides civilians are Professor X, Magneto, Cyclops and Jean Grey who are surprised by the arrival of alien ships that start to attack. Apparently, Professor X will freeze civilians to avoid panic and mentally control some police officers who are in place to attack the invaders, who, according to our source, were clearly specified as the scrolls. Uh, she heard that in the scene recordings, the actors wore motion capture costumes, which means that the alien race will be created by computer graphics, Cyclops and Professor X face the aliens who proved to be strong, bouncing bombs and announcing destruction. The battle will involve some regions around the UN building. Apparently, Jean Grey and Magneto must participate in the scene, but no information was obtained from both characters because this is a surprise attack on a political event. The characters are not wearing uniforms in this scene. Uh, and apparently, there was a replica of the UN building constructed. It showed multiple flags from different nations out front. Um, this lines up like exactly with what they say here at the beginning of this, that there's this meeting at the UN building about what to do with mutants. Well, we see what they plan on doing with mutants at the end of this trailer when they're being transported in a train. So it kind of like it adds up. And the, I've actually seen pictures of the, um, of this, the of leaked photos of this uh, set piece. Um, so anyway, back to the trailer, we get a uh, scene of Hank McCoy sitting down with Charles. Um, and Hank says, this is your fault, Charles. And Charles says, I tried to protect her. So I think this all kind of like goes back to when Jean was young and didn't understand her powers. And then we see that scene of her in the car with her parents and she taps her feet together and they go flying off the road and her parents dies. Charles probably, you know, scared of the power that she possesses mind wipes her to protect everybody um 
he sees like later on down the road as she, you know as she gets more powerful like she could she could end up hurting people so to control her he he mind wipes her here and um that town that we see late in early in the trailer where she's attacking mystique and um that town that she's at that's her childhood home so she's looking for answers about her past when they confront her there and i think she's found answers and it's probably not a great time for Charles to be there and confront her. Mm, okay. I, I think she's gone to her childhood home. She may have spoken to some people. She may have, I don't know. She's found something out while she's there. And now it's just going to all come to a head here. And I think the anger that she's feeling, you know, she's going to take it out on Mystique's character and it's going to end up killing her. And, you know, the Phoenix will be... The Phoenix will be behind it, but I, I think this is going to be a big set piece. I think it's going to reveal a lot of, like, why she's acting the way that she's acting here. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you would think that... So we're seeing Jean in a car accident that's probably her fault with her parents, and my guess is they die. Did Charles wipe her mind so she forgets they killed them? Because that's weird. I mean, if, wouldn't she wonder where her parents have been for... However many years, or is there some different twist to that that I'm not really picking up? It could be something like she's the one who, like, she doesn't understand her powers. She's She clicks her feet together. She's the one that sends them go flying off the road with her telekinetic powers and kills them. And he wipes her mind to where, like, it was just a, you know, like, they they hit another car. A drunk driver hit them, you know. He could fill that fill her memory with 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 a, with a false memory for all we know yeah that's interesting and definitely would i could say charles in the comics is kind of a dick so that that fits i it's interesting uh we get gene saying i'm scared when i when i lose control bad things happen to people i love and we see a scene at night that looks like um destruction that gene caused here we see a scene where uh I, I think this is the UN building stuff where it's just everything's rubble and fire and we've got uh, cars flipped over and it could be the scrolls that have done this, but cars are flipped over. The streets cracked and broken up into these big concrete blocks. And then we see, uh, then we see Jean torturing beast. Uh, we see her sending night crawler flying through a train. Um, and then it looks like, We've got uh, two groups of X-Men here. We've got one group led by Magneto, and the other is led by Professor X and Cyclops. Uh, Magneto says the girl dies, and Cyclops believes they can still help her. Um, So at this point in the movie, Magneto is basically saying, we've just got to kill her. Like, we've got to kill her, and Cyclops believes that she's still in there, and they can help her. And then we get these uh, action scenes where... Beast is doing like beast kind of like stuff like he's fighting and jumping off walls. And uh, I think he's doing this in that train that we see later in the. Trailer. Yeah, that's that's what it looks like. Like he's in the train. He's not fighting the armed guards, though, that we see in the trailer. He's fighting just what I'm guessing is probably like Jessica Chastain's characters, like 
allies, like her army or something. But because he, he's not finding armed guards in this scene. So I feel like mm-hmm. they've made like Jessica Chastain's allies have made it onto the train somehow. And he's fighting them. Um, we get a scene of Magneto using his powers to control a bunch of these machine guns and then firing at who I think is Jessica Chastain's character on the train. And it doesn't like it's doesn't look like it's hurting her at all. Uh, we then see Storm use her lightning powers to strike down enemies, which probably are Jessica Chastain's allies as well. And then we hear Storm say it's too late as we see Gene full on Phoenix and attacking the X-Men. And then we see a scene of the X-Men inside the train. And it, it's it looks like it's a mutant prisoner transport train. And they're all wearing all the X-Men are wearing these power dampening collars that we've seen in previous films. And then Kinberg talked to Entertainment Weekly about whatever happens at the U.N. building leads them to being on this train. He says, as a consequence of what happens in New York, the X-Men and Magneto and the, and the people Magneto has brought with him end up in that train. So then um, in the trailer, there are we see the eight X-Men and they're being guarded by these guards that are on this train. And we don't know exactly where they're being taken to. A lot of fans are thinking that it's uh, Genosha, the island uh, from the comics where they sent mutants for slavery. Um, but we don't know that. Uh, if you look at the screen, if you look at the... I got a screenshot I can send you guys if you want to see it. Um, but the guards are, that are taking them, that are taking the mutants as prisoners, on their shoulders, there's a patch that says MCU... <laughs> and so awesome. it's it, it's very meta because it's almost like the MCU taking the mutants away from Fox and putting them into the Disney Marvel Studios films. And so we don't know what MCU stands for, but a lot of people are thinking it stands for Mutant Containment Unit. Right. They're part of the Mutant Containment Unit, so it's a very meta thing. But yeah, all these guards have MCU on their shoulders, which is pretty fucking awesome. Um, we then see the different X-Men teams here. On each side of the train, we've got one side that has Charles, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, and Storm. And then the other side of the train is the new Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. We've got Magneto and Beast. And then there's the, another two. And we've talked about them before on the podcast. These, I believe, are Red Lotus and Red Lotus and Celine. And uh, Red Lotus and Celine, I think, here we go. Yeah, Red Lotus is the alias of Paul Hark who is the heir to a triad and a dangerous and skilled martial artist. Um, so the actor that plays him, Andrew Stellan, has a background in stunts. So this guy is probably going to be you know, showing off some incredibly um, amazing martial arts moves as the Red Lotus character. And then Celine uh, is a mutant who, in the comics, uh, she gained immortality by draining the life force of others. So sounds like another rogue-type character instead of, like, absorbing their power she absorbs their life force though so okay yeah that's that's right yeah oh and drink red lotus do, do you happen to remember that extreme x-men comic that chris claremont did in the early 2000s he was in that book quite a bit he's like oh really artist. yeah okay um no i didn't i never read that i never read that i read a lot of i've just read the early chris claremont stuff and the stuff that he's done in the last few years but um, I never read that. Yeah, it wasn't really great. Yeah, that's what I've heard. <laughs> I haven't really rushed out to read it. Um, 
In the train, I want you guys to notice that we don't get Mystique or Quicksilver, which makes me believe that Mystique is dead and that Quicksilver is either dead or just taken out of the movie completely. Mm. Yeah, that's a yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning towards that as well, that uh, Quicksilver is either dead or taken out of this movie because yeah. he's not in the scene whatsoever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear metal bending in the train and then we hear she's coming as Gene, as the Phoenix, rips open the train and sends it flying in the air, and we get a shot of her flying in the air, burning as the Phoenix. So that's where the trailer ends. Um, so, yeah, that is our entire trailer. You guys still just... And I get it. You guys, I mean, I don't think I did anything to kind of talk you into enjoying this movie at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll be honest, uh, you you did bring up points that I did not think about. So, I mean, yeah, you, you definitely brought up stuff that I did not think about. I think my, uh, my toss it comes from a place of I'm just so tired of these movies. I'm tired of the same plot being recycled. But I, I am seeing what you're saying, that there could be some flips and there could be some switches here that could keep this movie interesting. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm ready to take it out of the toss it category, but I, certainly I, I do see this trailer. I, I do see different stuff in it that I did not see before. Greg. Evil Charles, to me, is mildly intriguing. And at the same time, I don't know if he'll be... It almost feels like, based on what we're seeing, it'll be more shades of gray. So Jean either kills her parents or gets them in an accident, and he might wipe her mind. Clearly not a a nice thing to do. Uh, But there are definitely... Is it it all that bad? I I don't know. I'm not sure how interesting that's going to be. We'll have to see. Okay, so you you lied to me. You yeah. you, you I killed my I you, I mean you you hit all this for me. I don't, and you mind wiped me. And we get to the third act and everybody's expecting that uh, oh, Charles and the Magneto. We just going Here's a team up, classic team up, Charles Benny. You say it before. <laughs> and she fucking kills Charles. And she kills Charles. Hmm. She kills Charles Xavier? Boom. I mean, that would certainly get my attention. (laughs) That's for sure. I mean, it's the final movie, right? True, true. And how many times has Charles died in the comics, Greg? Uh, maybe three? Yeah, I mean, it's (laughs) at least. True. So, I mean, if it's the final movie in the Singerverse here, it, I mean, yeah, you, you can kill him. So, and they've already done it the movies before. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, you know, I mean, instead of seeing, like, the classic team up between Charles and, and Magneto, they could just kill the character here at the end of the movie, and then and then we could see the, the X-Men. Because we're supposed to, I, you know, Jessica Chastain, in an interview, she recently said that uh, we're going to get to see a scene of all the X-Men fighting against one singular character. And she said it's going to be an insane action piece. And so, yeah, that's got me a little excited. I don't know about mm-hmm. you guys. To see all these characters battling against one singular character still kind of has me excited. That's, that's, so we'll see. I, I, I don't know. 
Yeah, that's. Can I ask you guys a question? So, at the end of Days of Future Past, we and got maybe trying to figure out Fox continuity isn't smart, but we see Logan in the future again, and Jean is there, and she's played by Fomka Jansen. Yeah, and Beast is there, played by Kelsey Grammer. Mm-hmm. Is is that this timeline? Like, are we? Are we to assume that they don't die in this movie because we saw that? Or is that, am I thinking too hard? We're off on different timelines. This is set in the 90s. So, like, this is, yeah, this is, what's wild about this is, like, this is supposedly being set 10 years before we see Ian McKellen's (laughs) Magneto. So, like, within 10 years, Michael Fassbender looks like Ian McKellen. He had a rough 10 years. Yeah, that's that's a rough 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting, and I don't mean this in a snarky way, it, but like Fox is really into putting the X Men in these metaphorically like significant areas to fight. Like we got the Statue of Liberty, yeah. we got Washington D.C. Now we're getting the UN. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite so sure where. If there's another movie, are they going to go to? I don't know, like Memphis, or I, I, I have no idea. <laughs> The Eiffel Tower, next movie. Right. they got to fight in front of the Lincoln Memorial. <laughs> there you go. The Washington <laughs> Monument. you got to admit, though, that fucking the, 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 uh, the, the Statue of Liberty, that was, that was memorable, man. Oh, no, that I'll was tell you cool. What, I, that was I a cool movie. I brought there, and I was listening to the shitty audio tour, and I got my binoculars, and I'm looking up at that crown to see if Wolverine's flipping off one of the spikes. That's exactly what I thought of. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, do you remember when he was swinging around? When he's using the claws and he catches them on like her uh, crown, and he's swinging around on that crown with his claws, like that—that mm-hmm. that move is physically impossible. I don't care if you are like enhanced by Weapon X. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the physics in that move made no sense. All right, you guys want to take a break, and we'll come back and we'll do good pop, bad pop. Let's do that. Sounds good. Sounds good. are back welcome back off air we were talking i was i was chastising you guys pretty hard there wasn't i yes you were rightly so rightly so (laughs) we deserved it mr brian it's it's it's, i was just talking about how like i had spent hours literally hours breaking down this trailer and every time i would go over scene um i would i would then wait for your guys reaction and it would just go back to uh, yeah, we're gonna get the we're gonna get the same Charles and Magneto shit that we've always been getting, and it's like, <laughs> can, we, can we can we talk about like the scene that I broke down? No, no, uh, let's talk about that Charles and, and Magneto shit that we hate so fucking much. <laughs> you clearly put so much work into breaking down that show, yeah. and I I appreciate that. I it's. <laughs> Oh man, let's uh, let's move on into good pop, bad pop. 
All right, that's our good bad bumper <laughs> for for our bumpers tribute. There we go. Um, I'll, yeah, real quick, uh, everybody. I wanted. I just want to go over a few things uh, this week that uh, I did watch. I went to the theater. I told. I went to the theater a few weeks ago and I watched um, the uh, How to Train Your Dragon: The Hidden World. Uh, I saw it. It was the third movie in the franchise. I saw it when they did the early showing. Uh, it came. It's since released in theaters, and I wanted to see it in 3D, so I made sure to uh, see it in 3D earlier this week, and it was just as gorgeous as I thought it was going to be. And it was a beautiful movie in 3D, so I highly, if you've seen the first two, I highly recommend that you finish the trilogy in theater and watch it in 3D. It was fucking gorgeous. Just absolutely gorgeous in the third dimension. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, thank you. So check it out. Very good. Oh, and uh, watch the True Detective finale. Anybody else watching True Detective? I am not. I'm behind. I am behind. I have to catch up. I saw the True Detective finale. Uh, I am going to give the season overall a high tasted. There's some Tupperware episodes in here. Absolutely. I think, you know, episode, I think it was four and five were Tupperwares for me. And the last episode was pretty damn good. It's just, I mean, if you're comparing it to that first season, it just there's just nothing that compares. You know, mm-hmm. Sinead O'Connor, Sinead O'Connor knows what I'm talking about. Nothing. She sure does. She nothing does. compares nothing to compares you. Nothing compares to you. Which, she sang a whole song about it. I, she wrote a whole goddamn song about it, didn't she? Sure did. Didn't yeah. Prince write that song, actually? I think he did, yeah. And then he didn't sing it and she, like, got the rights to it and sung it? I think yeah, I think she I think he wrote it and he didn't sing it and then she got it somehow. I guess yeah. he gave her permission or whatever. Yeah, huh. I think he wrote it for her. Oh, look at that. Wow. Why why don't you talk about Charles and, and uh Magneto? <laughs> huh? I, I I I shat all I have to shit on that trailer. I got nothing left. Oh my gosh. Try to bring interesting things to the table and you guys just keep bringing it back to that crap. <laughs> Every five fucking seconds. Yeah, we got get it. You don't like Charles, and they're all, the the dynamic between Charles and Magneto. I get it. Fucking run that shit into the goddamn ground. Um, <laughs> really rate that fucking crap for an hour that we talked about that goddamn trailer. I, I was. I'm. I'm I'm just going to say it because I want I want you to feel good about yourself. Yeah. I'm so much more excited for that movie now. Oh, you're lying. Now you're just now no, you're just, now you're just saying things to make me feel good. I am because I want to listen to the podcast when you review it to see how you feel after you see Oh, it. I will give you my honest review. You I bet your you fucking ass I'm going to be 100%. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's a pile of shit, I'm going to let everybody fucking know. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, Deadly Class. I've been watching this on Sci-Fi. I recently just caught up. I, I'd watched the first two episodes, and then I then I just stopped watching for a while. And then uh, I just did a whole binge this week where I where I uh, I'm all caught up to to the last episode that they had, which was episode seven. Guys, I'm telling you, Sci-Fi Sci-Fi is killing it with this show. This is just incredible. If you are not watching this, you need to get on this now. Like it is the it is dark. They're dropping, they're dropping, they're dropping f bombs. The the music in this series is fantastic. It's set in 1987. Um, you want to talk about like you know you've got the one of the main characters here who actually talks about the X Men. He talks about Chris Claremont. He's a comic book guy, 
this is fantastic. And then it's basically it's a it's a dark Harry Potter. You've got like these kids that are all in this assassin school and they're learning how to be better assassins. Fucking uh, the first three episodes, you've got um, Henry Rollins as their uh, poisons teacher. Now, now Brian Posehn has joined the cast. Comedian Brian Posehn has joined the cast in episode three. This is it's dark. It's amazing. This feels like it should be something that's on like FX or Stars. Um, and here, here I'm, I'm watching it on Sci-Fi. This is a Tupperware. Uh, I cannot praise this fucking show enough. Deadly Class might come up in the Tupperwares at the end of this year. It is that fucking good. Wow! Everybody should that's be awesome. watching this. Well, it's. I mean, it's a great Rick Remender comic anyway, and just the the way they're adapting this story is just incredible. And uh, the, all the Lana Condor's killing it. Uh, the main guy, the main actor in this one, I don't even know his fucking name, but he's really goddamn good. And um, I highly recommend this show, Deadly Class. Um, and then, hey, a uh, new Hellboy trailer came out this week. Did you guys watch the new Hellboy trailer, the Red Band trailer? I watched what I think was your cell phone footage of it. Huh? Was that what that was? <laughs> no, yeah, but that was that was the Green Band trailer that they showed before Greta, and it was seven seconds. You didn't watch the actual Red Band trailer for? I th- I thought that was the Red Band trailer because no. I get all my news through your podcast, so I'm like, oh, I guess that's the Red Band trailer. No, it was the Green Band trailer that they showed before Greta. Um, I mean, they were going to release the Red Band trailer at midnight that same day on Thursday. And uh, they uh, they did. Uh, no, they ended up releasing it at like five or something in the morning or something crazy like that. But Rebecca, did you see the, the did you see the Red Band trailer? Dude, I did not. I completely forgot it was after I told you it was dropping. I like it. I blanked that it was. Oh, my come God. Out. Instead of that, maybe we can talk about Charles and Magneto some more. You guys. Are fucking. <laughs> <laughs> Let me guess. You didn't like the relationship. It's still, yeah, nothing new there, right? Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, holy shit. Um, I will tell you one thing. Uh, The first trailer, I was not, I liked it. Um, I thought it was good. I think I gave it a high taste, actually. I liked it a little bit more than I probably should have. But I was still begging for that Red Band trailer. And they gave me the Red Band trailer. And it's got violence, it's got cursing, um, and uh, it looks fun. It looks fun, I'm not going to lie. It looks really, really fucking good. It looks really good. I'm excited for this movie now. I'm very excited for this movie That's awesome. Yeah. You guys, I don't know, who knows what you guys would think had you seen this thing. (laughs) (laughs) I I want this one to be good, and I realize, I guess, there was a lot of negative reaction to the the first trailer, but... I, you know, I felt like we just got shorted one movie uh-huh. on the last trilogy, and did you guys want? We're never. Do you? I know. I, I hate that too. That I want that Guillermo. If we're gonna get that, can it, can Guillermo del Toro and Ron Perlman be able to finish this in animated form somehow? You know, can we have that original cast come back and give me an animated movie to finish that trilogy? I'd love that if it happened. Yeah. I got to think that now that ship has sailed. Yeah. Have you ever got, have you guys watched the animated Hellboy stuff? They've got like two or three movies. I right? own them. Yeah, I own one of them. I think you can watch them on the Roku channel. Hmm. Yeah, they're really good. They are really good, and they're voiced by Ron Perlman. Really good. Yeah, the animation is gorgeous too. It's all, it it looks like 
the comic art come to life. But it does. It, it looks awesome. like yeah, it looks like Mike Mignola drew it, and it's like right from the page. Where does the animated stuff fit into the two cinematic films? Are they are they like in, in between stories? Do they take are they are they prequels or are they sequels to the second movie? There's uh, Blood and Iron and uh, Sword of Storms. So, so, yeah. And let's see here. I'm not sure where they take place in the canon, to be quite honest oh, okay. with you. But I would, yeah. I, I'm sure Wikipedia would be able to tell you. I have to guess they're between one and two because if it was after two, she, he would have had twin babies. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Sword of Storms and Blood and Iron. Yeah, they're both fucking great. I think I own them both on Blu-ray too, dude. Yeah, I just have them on regular DVD. Oh, okay. Do you guys want to? Do you, you want to? You want me to pause real quick so you can watch this fucking thing? Yeah, yeah, right. I'll watch it. Let me pause. All right, we're back. Hey, those listeners that are wondering, like, how how did Rebecca and Greg make it to Sunday without seeing this trailer? I don't know either, guys. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know how. Like, how did this get beyond your? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> like, what? Like, what? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I got little kids. I can't watch that shit with little kids all around me. All right. Okay. What's your excuse, Rebecca? Um, I don't have little kids, but I do have a job. So, oh my god, wouldn't it be scary if Rebecca was like, "Yeah, little kids," and I'm like, "Whoa, what?" I'm what? surrounded by little kids. Some of them are mine, but yeah, I'm surrounded by little kids as well. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't know. who should we be calling? Um, hey, <laughs> what'd you guys think, uh, Greg? Yeah, I I really liked it, and and I'm not just saying that because I shat on the first hour of this podcast, but <laughs> I, I I really enjoyed it, especially there's a so one of the things I think people have been wondering is how is this film going to differentiate itself from the Del Toro movies, and we knew that it had the R rating. Yeah, there was this thing that came out of the ground, and it almost looked like a Resident Evil, like a giant zombie kind of creature that just starts cutting people in half, and then. Hellboy has this big sword and he starts cutting limbs off. So now I get it. It's the it's the violence and the gore that's going to set this one apart. So I'm interested in seeing it. And I love Ian McShane, Mila Jovovich, great yeah. cast. So yeah. I'm definitely in. Oh, and it's got the what's the girl? She was in uh, the Miseduc- Miseducation of Cameron Post. Is her name Sasha Lane? I think so. I loved her in that movie. I think she's a I think she's really talented. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing her. Um in this movie. What'd you think, Rebecca? Yeah, I like this trailer a lot too. I'm sorry I didn't watch it sooner, but um yeah, this was uh, this was definitely fun. I um certainly I've seen the previous two Hellboy movies and a uh, big fan of Ron Perlman in the role, big fan of Guillermo del Toro directing those films. So, um I don't know, D- David Harbour really is leaning into this part. Like he he looks like he's just having fun with it. Like he looks like he's just he he's definitely leaning into the the violence and the gore and the and that same attitude that we've seen previously. Um, I, I enjoyed the the final line of the trail. I think it's the final line where uh, she says, "Be my king," and he's like, "I'd love to, but it never work out." I, I'm a Capricorn, and you're fucking nuts. Yeah, I, I like I laughed out loud at that line. <laughs> I thought that was a great line. Um, yeah, this looks like a lot of fun. I am. I'm definitely excited to see this movie. I'm Tupperware in it. I think it's fantastic. Whether the movie lives up to like my expectations now, 
I have no clue, but I think it looks really fucking fun, and I can't wait to see it. So I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I think it's a great trailer. Yeah, me too. I'm going to echo with. I'm going to echo your your rating there. I'm also going to going to Tupperware this. It, this just looks like. This just looks like what the Hellboy movies have always been, like that dark shit, but then just that really great dry humor that they inject into it. So, yeah, this this looks great. I heard that they asked Doug Jones to cameo, and he said no. Really? Everybody's staying, like, standing firm. Like, everybody that was pretty much involved in the Del Toro films is like, like, you know, like uh, Ron Perlman's like, I'm not going to cameo in those movies, you know? Sure. That, you know, I get I get that there are hurt feelings, and that's also too bad. You know, it, it just feels like, um, yeah, I don't know. It feels it feels a little petty at this point, but I get it. They were they were pissed about not getting that third movie. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder, like, why I, I know why I mean, the movies weren't super successful in the theaters. And it'll be interesting to see, like, how this movie can performs as opposed to the other. Can they can they capitalize on what Deadpool did with the R rating? Because, you know, that's what this came down to, right? Like, this was, like, one of those movies that I feel like got greenlit because of the success of Deadpool getting the R rating. Also, Logan getting the R rating. I feel like they were like, okay, what other things can we, you know, what other properties can really take advantage of this R rating? And I think that's another reason why we're getting a new R-rated Spawn coming out here by from Blumhouse. So we'll see how an R-rated Hellboy performs in the theater. We'll see what the budget is, and we'll see how it performs in the theater, right? I mean, isn't that kind of mm-hmm. – that's interesting to me. Yeah, and also that April 12th release date. So, you know, they're, they're probably figuring you're going to get people who go to see Endgame maybe twice and are just really into the theater mode and maybe pick up uh, as Endgame is petering off a little bit. That's no, this guess. is coming out two weeks before Endgame. Oh, I'm sorry. Everything I said was wrong. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think as far as guests are going, you're petering off right now, buddy. I, 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 I petered off during the Lord of the Rings discussion. <laughs> you Peter, you Peter Jackson off during that discussion. I did. I, I completely. So, so one of the Daniel Day Kim from Lost was also in this trailer. It, just great to see him again. So I'm excited. I, was that the role that was originally Ed Scrine that yes. he backed out? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because yeah, so it was. Good. It's a it's a character that in the comics is Asian, so people were like, ah, here we go, you're you, you're whitewashing the character, and so Ed Scrine was like, he's a cool dude, and he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna exit this project before, you know, this becomes a problem. And what what movie? Oh, he did the Alita Battle Angel movie, which I thought he was a right. fa- he was the best villain in that fucking movie, in my opinion. He was yeah he was he was very good in that in that movie yeah. All right. Uh, good pop, bad pop stuff. Rebecca, what do you got? Uh, two quick things. Um, I did finish the Lorena um, documentary that we talked about the other week with, with Melissa. Yeah. Um, I, I, di- I did finish it. Um, it's it's a total top where it still is. Um, I, I still encourage everybody to check this out and watch it because – if all you just remember of the incident was the fact that she cut her husband's dick off, you don't know even a, a tiny bit of the actual story. Of that, that's a, that's, an, that's an important part of it, though, right? It, it is. I'm not going to lie. It is probably <laughs> the attention grabber of this whole thing. Um, 
but I think there is definitely, and we talked about this a lot last week, but yeah. there is that whole aspect of like, oh, I guess she just went crazy like women do. And and, and the, the documentary really presents, I think, a pretty good picture of both sides here. Um, I don't care how angry you get. There's got to be. To, to be pushed to the point where you cut someone's penis off, that there's there's a little bit more story that needs to be told there. Oh, no, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And and that's why this documentary was needed. Yeah. And um, absolutely I, necessary. I think everybody should watch this. I really, really good. do. That's really good. Um, I also finished The Umbrella Academy. Um, that's a total Tupperware. It took me a little bit longer, but I absolutely did um, – I don't know. I thought Mary J. Blige was one of the real standouts in this in, in this series. I thought she was great as Cha Cha. Um, mm. The kid who played Five, Aiden Gallagher, I thought he was amazing. He's great. Uh, yeah. I mean, to have this kid, this teenager, acting with all these adults, and he holds his own. Like, and he's playing a grumpy old man. Like, he's playing a grown man sucking a kid's body, and he is just he just nails that role. I think he's. Just a standout, and I'm so ready for season two. I thought the guy um, that played Hazel was like a was awesome. You know what? He's really good. He was the guy from. I didn't realize he was in it. He's the guy from Mindhunter, uh-huh. and uh, that was a great series that I loved. I thought he was excellent in this too. Um, and also, the actor who played Klaus, Robert Shan, I thought he Kla, uh, Klaus was a character who really grew on me because at first I was like, "Oh, he's so annoying," and then he just really grew on me. Um, the whole show, though, I mean, I, I just named a few people who like stood out, but like the whole cast is amazing. Yeah. Like it's not like everybody else was shit, and these were the only good people in it. Like everybody in this show is is excellent, and definitely, yeah, I, I top wear that too. Hey, great, um, great guy. Have you started this one or the kids in the house excuse again? No, I did. It, so it generally takes me a while to get through series that I can't watch in front of the kids. Right. I did watch episode one, and I really love it. So yeah. I've been trying to kind of stay away from some of the message, um, you know, like the the social media stuff sure. about it, but. Yeah. I really liked it. It's really good. Yeah, definitely, definitely finish this one. It's definitely worth it, man. So, and we're gonna get a season two. So, I'm excited oh, about that. Sure. Oh, awesome! That that is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you guys watching Doom Patrol? I have only watched the. I actually got confronted about that today. As a matter of fact, I've only watched the first episode. So, um, I've been real selfish this week, Rebecca. It's been about me and Lord of the Rings. And uh, and oh yeah, I've been watching. I've been rewatching the Harry Potter movies too. Okay, that's nothing wrong with going back to your old favorites. Nothing wrong with that at all. It's it is when you're me and you do this show. People, <laughs> people want people want new content all the time, and they're like they don't want to hear about me watching Lord of the Rings. People don't give a fuck about. They don't care about me watching Lord of the Rings. They want to hear about the new stuff. What's that new shit? You don't want to hear about me fucking uh, hanging out with Hermione Granger and Ron Weasley. <laughs> That's what I did this weekend. I hung out with them for the first two of the Harry Potter movies. God damn. You know, you know, you know, Dumbledore, Richard Harris, Dumbledore. I still think Richard Harris, Dumbledore was the best Dumbledore. Two movies in. Two movies in, the guy was crushing that role. Anyway. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for backing me up on nothing. Well, here, here's here's this is really embarrassing. And 
So my my older son is we we're reading all the books. Yeah. And I I've only seen the first three Harry Potter movies. Really? I'm embarrassed to say I got to see the other ones because it just was never my thing, you know. Mm. I loved them, man. I was in love with these movies. I loved them. I thought they were fantastic. Right back. I'm gonna let you get back to yammering on whatever the fuck you were talking about. But <laughs> no, thank you. That's really nice of you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter bullshit. It's just not funny. I can't stand Harry Potter. It's just <laughs> Sorry, really? all the Harry Potter fans. Oh Harry. wow. Um, yeah, fuck your magic. Yeah. Fuck your magic. Fuck your magical lands in your world. Uh, yeah. I just, Rebecca, I what what house are you in? I who the fuck I don't fucking know. I'm in the Dailing House. That's what house I'm in. I don't know what house I'm in. Don't, don't encourage this. I don't want this. Don't don't encourage her attitude right now. Sorry. <laughs> hey, what house are you in, Rebecca? And then she just goes off and just makes a mockery of all all four of these amazing Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Gryffindor, and Slytherin. Pick one, Rebecca, or shut the fuck up. I'm kidding. Sorry. <laughs> wow. Those are my two options. All four. right. Those are um, four. Those are four options with a fifth one thrown in to shut the fuck up. All right. I pick, I pick Hufflepuff just because I like the way it sounds. I don't know if I actually am, but that's what I'm going to say from now on. You sound like a slither in the way you're fucking pissing and moaning about the Harry Potter franchise like it fucking poured sugar in your goddamn gas tank or whatever the I fuck. Just, I, don't, I don't care for it. I, I gave it three movies and I slogged through three movies and they did not like it. It's just not for me. But I tried. Okay. I tried to watch oh, it. Oh, God. These kids and their magical adventures. What a slog. <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Um uh, shit. Um anyway, Doom Patrol. Three, uh, three episodes are available. I watched the third one this yeah. morning. Um it, only three are available, of course, but this is I think so of the three that are out, this to me so far is my favorite episode. It is it was just awesome. It was so well done. Um the the characters are I mean, we were introduced to them in Titans, but of course here there's a lot more expansion on the characters. And for me, I think the standout in this movie, in this um, show, is uh, Diane Guerrero, who plays Crazy Jane. Um, she is just so good in this role. All of her personas, all of the powers that she has, we get to see a lot of that, especially in this last episode. Um just I don't know everything's just firing all, all all cylinders with this show it's just it's a lot of fun that's um, good so that's yeah, good if you've got yeah if you've got the DC Universe app absolutely watch this show um, and then I have like a couple of movies and stuff that I watch but if you want I can wait yeah but, um, well wait, all right, let's talk about the one let's talk about Greta cool all right well, let's talk about Greta uh, Francis a sweet naive young woman trying to make it on her own in New York City, doesn't hesitate to return a handbag she finds on the subway to its rightful owner. The owner is Greta Hedig, uh, a lonely, eccentric French piano teacher with a love for classical music. Having recently lost her mother, Frances quickly grows closer to widowed Greta. The two quickly become friends, but Greta's maternal charms begin to dissolve and grow increasingly disturbing as Francis discovers that nothing in Greta's life is what it seems. Uh, this one is directed by Neil Jordan. He's best known for writing and directing The uh, the Crying Game back in, fuck, that was 92. Um, 
It stars Isabel Huppert as uh, Greta Hedag, Glo- uh, Chloe Grace Moretz as Frances McCollin, uh, Micah Monroe as Erica Penn, and Colm Fiore as Chris McMullen, uh, fr- Chris McCullen. Um Rebecca, what did you think about uh, this, uh, I'd say, thriller, Greta? Yeah, it's, it's definitely a thriller. I agree with you on that. Um, you know, I... Um I, I liked it. I, I thought um, Isabel Huppert, who played Greta, I thought she was absolutely amazing. Um, I thought I thought Chloe Grace Moretz and her had really good um, chemistry on screen. I liked how they played off each other. I think that my biggest complaint about this movie is that they gave away so much in the trailer that I knew every beat of this movie almost. Um, and it took... A, I, I would have liked to have seen... I would have liked them to have kept back more stuff so that when I saw it on screen, it would have been more, like, intriguing. Um, but I, I think overall, I would give this movie a solid taste. It There is definitely some paint-by-numbers stuff in here. Um, but to me, it's like, I think that the, the two main actors here who play Greta and Francis are, they're, like, the real standouts in, in this movie. So I, I give it a solid taste it. Yeah, I... Uh... I think Isabel Huppert was really good as Greta um, if they just let her go crazy. Like, if they just let her... Yeah. When they did let her go crazy, it was awesome. They should have, like... They should have let her just lean into this character even more, in my opinion. Like, fucking let her go Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Hannibal Lecter in this movie. And and they kind of held back on her and gave... I I like Chloe Grace Moretz. I think she's really good. Um... I just didn't like her in this role as Francis. Mm-hmm. I, I, I thought her, her I thought her roommate er, uh, Erica, played by Micah Monroe, was a more interesting character than she was in this movie. I just felt like Chloe Grace Moretz just played a generic kind of like character that I didn't really I didn't really care for. I I get it. She lost her mom and she wanted to be close to someone and she let this woman fill that mother figure. And um, I don't know. She look, doesn't she look like a fucking Hemingway? One of the Hemingway girls? She does, actually. And also, I don't know who cut her hair for this movie, but her haircut was absolutely atrocious. Like, what? what is this, 1995? Like, this, I don't know. I, this movie feels so, like a 90s film. It feels like it, it was. Does. Yes. You are not wrong. You are absolutely right in that. I did think that, too. It felt like a 90s film. I, I kept thinking, like, I would have loved to have seen, like, Blumhouse get their hands on this. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. just turn, turn it up to 11 because there was a lot of opportunity here mm-hmm. to make Greta even more – just just more. You there know what were, I mean? Exactly. Um, there were scenes that I absolutely loved. I loved it when, like, you know, this woman is stalking her. Like, that's scary. Like, when she's, like, at work and looking out the window and there's Greta. There's mm-hmm. Greta. Everywhere you turn, there's Greta. I wanted more of that. I wanted more of, like, this woman popping up unexpectedly and doing creepy, <laughs> weird shit. And, like, there are moments where they do it and they do it wonderfully. But then there's other moments where this movie just kind of, like, falls apart for me. I just I, – I, I don't think that I was the audience for this one. I think that young teens – that are going to wa- that watch this movie, it's rated R. I think that young teens that find a way to watch this R- R-rated film, 
I think they're going to love it. I just have seen mm-hmm. this story. I have seen this story so much in sure. other in other movies and other forms of media that I could kind of expect what was going to happen. And I nailed the ending to this one. I knew exactly how this one was going to end. I called it. So, I mean, in my opinion, it was still a very – even though I projected the ending and knew it was going to happen, I still thought it was a pretty fun ending. And – I think that the one, you know, Isabel Hubbard, she did a great job of playing like this mentally ill French woman in the film. Um, she was creepy, very creepy at times. Um, but there were so many times in this movie where I thought to myself, like, why the fuck are they not beating the shit out of this woman? Why don't they just, why are they just hitting her in the head and running? Like, why the fuck did they just not just fucking like kill her <laughs> like mm-hmm. like just you know her. what you, you said something really interesting about how you thought that like young teens would like this movie yeah when i went to see this sitting behind me was a row i kid you not of like i want to say 16 year old kids yeah um a, a group of both boys and girls and let me tell you something they were into this movie yep like like not like in a distracting way but like um, all, all the stuff you're saying, they were like, oh, my God, look, oh, my God, there she is. Oh, that's so creepy. Like, they were into this movie, and it is, I think, geared for a younger audience. Um, yeah, like, I just wanted them to let Greta be even scarier. And, like, you saw this in the trailer. I'm not spoiling anything where she... Chloe finds her character finds all those purses in in her in her cabinet. Like this is her this is like her tool to catch you know young unsuspecting people. Wouldn't that have been cooler to see that for the first time? Of like oh shit, like what is happening here? Like that to me would have been more interesting. But yeah, I I think it's worth seeing. I I think you don't have to see it in the theater. You could certainly wait for it to be streaming or, you know, Redbox or whatever. But I I think overall it's it's a solid... All right. Sorry. We had some technical difficulties there. I think it's the universe trying to tell me what we all know that this episode sucks. But, <laughs> and then, you know, it, it's no, it's like it's the universe saying, like, why are you doing this right now? You should have given up an hour ago. But we just keep trudging along, don't we? Um, <laughs> so, Rebecca, what you were going to give this rating? Yeah, I was just going to say that I I, uh, I give it a solid taste. It I think it's a really – I think it's a solid, like, popcorn thriller movie. Certainly, you know, catch it at home when it's streaming or in, or in Redbox if you don't want to go to the theater for it. But I, I think it's it's an entertaining it's, – it's an entertaining movie. Yeah, I – I'm also going to give it a taste, but it's not – yeah, watch it at home. This is not one that you have to see in the theater. And I think like once is enough. I don't think I will ever be in a rush to see this one again. I think if I was a teenager and watching this movie, I would absolutely love it. If it was a, I've just seen this story. It's just played out and they really didn't do anything new and inventive here. Um, so, yeah, I'll give it a taste of it as well. I saw uh, a new show on sci-fi called Alien News Desk. And it's a comedy. It's an animated comedy. It's news and commentary about the universe's most baffling alien species, the humans of planet Earth. So it's basically like alien. It's like animated aliens that look at 
human life and then commentate on it on a news kind of program, like from a news desk. And uh, they've got Will Forte and Heidi Gardner, both from uh, Saturday Night Live. And uh, they play the news team of aliens. And what it does is it tries to blend kind of like the Rick and Morty alien humor with like current events. And we're seeing this a lot more now. We're seeing a lot of these Rick and Morty clones. We're seeing like the final space on uh, TBS. And we're seeing, um, I know Adult Swim has another show that they're trying to to make like the like another Rick and Morty type and and here we've got uh, sci-fi doing it with uh with this uh alien news desk. It's okay. I mean, it it's some of the jokes worked for me, some of them didn't. I mean, it's a lot of rapid-fire jokes. It's a clever idea though. It, it's very clever to have these aliens view some of the things that we do and get them completely wrong and add a comedic twist to it. So I watched the first episode. I don't know if it was enough to keep me coming back. Like I, I, I you know, I, I'm definitely gonna like Rick and Morty is one of those shows. I'm definitely, you know, season four. I, you know, when it drops, I'm there. I don't know if Alien News Desk was enough for me to come back and watch the second episode. There's so much good stuff out there right now, and I felt like this was okay. Like, and I get the concept. I get it. You know, aliens talking about what's going on on Earth. And uh, there's a scene where they talk about, like, you know, should we invade or not invade Earth? And and they go over, like, the pros and cons of invading. And, like, you know, their final verdict was like, yeah, Earth is prime for invading. And it was, you know, like, it's kind of funny. But is it enough to keep me coming back week in and week out? I would say no, not for me. But give it a watch and see if it is for you. It's called Alien News Desk. It's on Sci-Fi. You can watch it on the Sci-Fi app, and um, I'm going to give it a taste it, and uh, I probably won't return to this one. There's so much other good stuff out there right now that I don't feel like this really necessitates me to come back and watch it every week. I think I kind of get the gimmick. I get the joke here, and it, it, it's, uh, it might be for other people. It just wasn't for me. And I love Will Forte, and I love Will, Heidi Gardner. I'm a big fan of them and their work. You know, I like Heidi Gardner on SNL. I loved Will Forte on SNL. I loved him on Last Man on Earth. I think that guy's talented as all hell. Um, I just, I thought this was okay. So I think it does have an audience. It's just not for me. Anybody else get How it? Long? Go ahead. It's like 30 minutes. It's like a half okay, hour show. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. yeah worth, I might try a couple just to see. It's sort yeah. of harmless. Exactly. Yeah, dude, I mean, it's rapid-fire jokes. It's like a, like a, you know, like a Deadpool movie where they just keep throwing joke and joke and joke at you. And, like, some of them hit and some of them don't. And, like, that's how this was. There were some jokes that really landed and some that didn't. But, um, yeah, give it a shot. Give it a shot. And they do drop F-bombs, man. It's not like this is not PG-13 humor, you know. They do drop F-bombs in this one. <laughs> So sci-fi has made that, I mean, that's part of their lineup now is like they have like adult humor. I, I've seen I've seen them drop the F-bomb and and be uh, have adult humor in the deadly class uh, in that deadly class TV show. And they're doing it here with Alien News Desk. So they're not shying away from that. So that's all I got for Good Pop, Bad Pop this week. I know, Greg, what do you have, man? So um, did anyone get Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse on digital HD this week? It just came out. I have it available, yes. Uh, it, any thoughts on repeat viewings? I have not watched it again. I saw it, uh, the, I saw it two times in the theater, but I have not watched it on digital yet. So 
it, I just have to say, have it's been on kind of a never-ending loop at my house since Tuesday because my, you know, as I've said before, I have kids and that's the way they are. They just watch movies over and over again. And this movie just holds up so well after repeat viewings. And, you know, there, it, there's a not a lot that hasn't been said about how, how great it is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm willing to say at this point in the post sort of like Toy Story era of computer animation, this is in the top five best computer animated movies ever. Yeah. It is that, it is that good. And, you know, it just holds up very, very well. Uh, The special features I would say are more of like a taste it. You get a couple of spider ham, little animated shorts and some of your kind of regular old, you know, overview of the characters and overview of the cast kind of thing. Uh, There's a nice little tribute to Stan Lee and Steve Ditko uh, you get an alternate universe mode, which kind of puts some cutscenes back in the movie, and some of them aren't finished out yet. So I would say just, you know, again, the special features, fine, nothing great, but definitely a movie, obviously worth owning. I was worried uh, about watching this one again at home without the benefit of having it in uh, 3D, because that was a... That was a huge thing for me in the theater, man. Because like I did see it in 3D in the theater, and then I went to a Dolby, like a Dolby Atmos theater that wasn't showing it in 3D. And yes, the sound was incredible, but like, you know, those action sequences were good. But like, there was definitely something missing when you weren't watching it in 3D. Yeah, it looks really good on a like I have a cheap HDR TV. I got like one of those Best Buy models, and it looked really great there. The only thing I would say that you lose uh, when I saw this in 3D, uh, every now and then there's some somebody or something in the foreground, like in the front of the shot, that's a little bit blurry. Mm-hmm. And when you're seeing that at home, it actually looks a little funky for a couple seconds. It's it's weird. It just doesn't play as well on a TV yeah. screen, but it still is a gorgeous movie. I mean, you sure. can have it playing and be on mute and just be taking in all the eye candy. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just got a great story anyway. So, I mean... Yeah. Yeah. Phil Lord and Chris Miller just fucking killed it. Yeah, it's a great movie. And I'm glad that it won the animated... The uh, the Oscar, which was fantastic. Because, um, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it's going to be it's gonna be the Wreck-It Ralph movie that's going to take it, right? That was, like, the favorite, wasn't it, at one time? And then Into the Spider-Verse came out, and everybody was just like, oh, shit, we might have something that actually can contend with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I think Wreck It Ralph was the favorite for for a while there. Rebecca, what do you got? You got anything else? Yeah, I got a few more things here. Um, I saw a movie in the theater called Everybody Knows. Um, it's a Spanish language film. It's from Spain with English subtitles. Uh, this is the movie that stars Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem. Um, this is, uh, I'll read the synopsis here. Laura, a Spanish woman living in Buenos Aires, returns to her hometown outside Madrid with her two children to attend her sister's wedding. However, um, the event is upset by unsuspected events that bring secrets into the open. So in the, and this is stuff that you'll see in the trailer, so I'm not spoiling anything here. Um, she, she comes to the, to the small village, with her two kids, they now live in Argentina. Um, her daughter gets kidnapped from the wedding, and the, now it becomes, of course, everybody is frantic trying to find the daughter and trying to find her. Um, they start getting calls from the kidnappers or, or text messages, I should say, demanding ransom money. Um, 
And the, the reason why this movie is called Everybody Knows is because it, it, this takes place in a very small town. And things about small towns are, are quite universal, where everybody knows your business, no matter what country a small town is in. If you live in a small town, everybody knows everybody else's business. What's that song, what's that, song that starts off with, uh, I was born in a small town? Oh, it's, it's John a, Cougar Mellencamp. John, right? Oh, yeah, John, yeah, John Cougar. This song is actually called Small Town. Uh, yeah. I was born in a small town. <laughs> how's, it, how's it go? How's that song go? Uh, it was in a small town. 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 Yeah, and then that guy. Uh, sorry, uh, have wow. you? Have you? We're starting, this, we're starting this thing in early. We're doing it early. Fault. Doing it up early. It's my fault. I didn't bring it up. I it's my fault. Can we sing pink houses? Anyone pink so, houses? Hold on. He was John Cougar Mellencamp, and then didn't he just turn into to um, John John Mellencamp at one time? I think he did. I think he was at one point he was John Mellencamp, and then at one point he was John Cougar. Didn't I don't he, know what he is right now. I think he jo- didn't he join the Thundercats as John Cougar. <laughs> <laughs> there was uh, Chitara and Panthro and, and then, uh, Lino, <laughs> and then John Cougar. <laughs> and then, it, I mean, it all fits. It fits right <laughs> in there. So <laughs> my, uh, he had the power of music. Was... Go ahead. Sorry, Greg. <laughs> I'm so sorry. My boss in high school, his wife was a huge fan, and they're actually called Melonheads. But she used to that's follow true. them around everywhere. Oh my gosh, that's God, so melon true. Head. The Melonheads. <laughs> I have heard that before. That is so fucking weird. That you know, I always thought it was kind of a joke. But you actually know somebody that was a, a, a said Melonhead. Yeah, my old boss's wife Reggie was a huge Melonhead. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. I did not know that that was a thing that you could be. I did not know. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Small town. Here we go. <laughs> oh my god. No, I just want to read the lyrics. Do this. <laughs> gonna read the lyrics here, don't worry about it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, I'm sorry. Continue with your review. I apologize. <laughs> anyway, um... <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. I apologize. Continue. Continue. You're just going to keep playing every time I start talking, right? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, I'm going to give this movie a high taste it. Um, I really like this movie a lot. There's a really great mystery here about who kidnapped their daughter and about the secrets that are involved with the family. Um, in, in this movie, Penelope Cruz and Javier Bardem play um, characters that they were like childhood sweethearts. And, and she left the country. She moved to Argentina. And, you know, here we are years later and they both have married and have their own lives. And but um, there there's so many secrets between his family and her family. And they all come out during this movie as they're all like desperately trying to find this 
this daughter. Um, I, I think it's a really, really good movie. Um, it, it is subtitled, um, so that's not your thing. Uh, I'm sure there'll be a dubbed version that'll come out eventually, but it, it, I think this is worth seeing in the theater only because um, the scenes of like the wedding and the village are absolutely beautiful. Like it's shot on location in, in Spain and it's it's just an absolutely beautiful movie. Um, so yeah, if it's playing near you, check it out. Everybody knows is what it's called. Uh, Everybody I knows. No, it sounds good. It sounds good. And it takes place. Oh, sorry. In, it takes place in a small town. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're. I know you're worried. Play it. Just play it. Okay, play it. No. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Small town. Small town. <laughs> I'm done. That's it. Sorry. You feel better now? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm good. I got a okay. little bit out. So go ahead. Um, um, you got something else. I saw a documentary uh, that is available only digitally right now on iTunes and Amazon. It's called Life After Flash. Um, this is a documentary about the movie Flash Gordon from 1980. Um and it's mostly about, not mostly, but it does have semi-focus on Sam Jones, who, of course, played Flash. And basically, what happened to him after the movie? Um, uh, so, and they pretty much, they interview uh, a lot of the people who were in the film. They interview Melody Anderson, who played Dale. Brian Blessed is in this. Topol, who I didn't even know he was still alive. Topol, <laughs> they interview him. Um, Peter Wingard, who played Clytus. Uh, Deep Roy, who he he um, he didn't have a speaking role. He was like the he was like the pet that um, Princess Aura would like walk around. He was on a chain. Um, he, he's in this movie. Uh, they talked to Brian May from Queen. Uh, and of course, they have archive footage of like Dino De Laurentiis. This is a fascinating documentary, especially if you're a fan of the movie Flash Gordon. Um, this really goes into depth about like what happened behind the scenes, um, what happened to Sam Jones after this movie because he kind of disappeared for quite a while, and uh, there, the the. The documentary explores like what happened between Sam and Dino. Um, uh, missing from this movie is um, uh, what's his name, Timothy Dalton, who apparently wants nothing to do with anything Flash Gordon ever again. Um, but this is if you're a fan of the movie Flash Gordon, like this is a must-watch documentary. It's a total Tupperware. Um, and it's so much fun, like just to revisit this film and kind of uh, just immerse yourself back in this movie. Uh, I, I loved it. I, I think it's absolutely 100% worth watching. So total Tupperware for, for this movie, Life After Flash. Life After Flash. How did you watch that again? I watched it. I bought it on Amazon, actually. Um, you can rent it on Amazon or iTunes. And then later on this month, I believe it's going to come out in physical DVD or Blu-ray. So, but if you want, you can just rent it. Amazon or iTunes, as I said. And um, who the fuck is it, buying DVDs anymore? I don't know. Some people do. <laughs> unless you're, yeah, Some unless you're that do. guy that they, you know, you go to Walmart and you go, you find that fucking three dollar and seventy four cent bin of DVDs. 
Right. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Exactly. Yes. You know, that fucking bin that they've got at the checkout lines. And it's like three dollars and seventy four cents. And then you can like, oh, it's the uh, Mario Van Peebles Highlander film. It's for three. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let me see it. <laughs> they sh- you know what? You sh- they should fucking pay you three dollars and seventy four cents to take that movie off their goddamn hands. I agree. You no should take that. Yes, exactly. You should be able to take that movie up to the register and they hand you three dollars and seventy four cents and say exactly. Th- thank you, thank you for ridding us of this curse that is the Mario Van Peebles Highlander number three or whatever <laughs> the fuck it's called. <laughs> <laughs> he was in some big movies, though, Mario Van Peebles. Oh, I know, I know. I've just he was like the the, the it guy for a minute. My whole point is tough. the fact that like if the if any movie deserves to be in that three dollar and seventy four cent bin, it's the Mario Van Peebles Highlander film. Like that is like <laughs> that's what that that's what that bin is made for. It's made for movies like that. It's made for movies starring Casper Van Dien that you've never heard of. Yeah, exactly. That's another one. Like, yeah. like, yeah. like, like, and not the Casper Van Dien movies that you know he's in. Not the Tarzan one, not the Starship Troopers movie. Like, this is like the Casper Van, this is like the B-side of Casper Van Dien films. Like, those, like, the shit, like, you've never even heard of. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know he was in this movie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, and mm-hmm. the, the, there, he, there it is, Casper Van Dien is headlining that film. And you're walking out with that film for $3.74. Double feature, Casper Van Dien and Mario Van Peebles. You're like, fuck that $5 foot long from fucking Subway. I'm going to get a Casper. I'm getting a Casper Van Dien film and some juicy fruit, and I'm walking out of Walmart a happy son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Mm. I, got, I got one last thing, and then I'm done. Um, I know, Greg, you I, got one more thing, don't you? Yeah, but I'll be quick. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Greg. Oh, now? Okay. Um, anybody have a PlayStation in the 90s? I did. PlayStation 1. You, okay. I, yeah, I had a PlayStation 1, I had a PlayStation 2, a 3, and I got a 4. So, yeah. Okay, so I picked up the much maligned PlayStation Classic today. Yeah. Uh, and this thing originally retailed for $100. I bought it for 50 bucks. Wow. Um, it includes 20 games. Uh, let's see what we got here. Tekken 3, Siphon Filter, Resident Evil Director's Cut, Rayman, Metal Gear Solid. It's also missing a lot of great games that would have been out on the original PlayStation. This machine is a, is a piece of shit. It's a terrible, terrible thing. Wow. Um, I, I wouldn't buy it even for 50 bucks. The reason why I did buy it is because I'm going to hack the shit out of this fucking thing. Um, there are instructions on YouTube. You can get a thumb drive, and you can rig this thing to play like 100-and-something PlayStation games. So um, I'm going to try to do that over the next few weeks at 50 bucks. If you're willing to try to hack it, definitely worth the price. Otherwise, I would definitely avoid it. That sucks, dude. It's because like Nintendo's been making a killing off like the, the NES Classic and the Super NES Classic. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I've heard that, like, you know, the Sega... The Sega Genesis one is garbage. Now I'm hearing that the PlayStation is garbage. Nobody ever talks about the Sega Master System. And you want to know why? Didn't that? It was a piece of shit, wasn't it? Uh, there were some decent games on there, but um, I don't. I think ultimately um, it had kind of. It didn't have a huge user base. It did. I don't think a lot of yeah. people bought it. 
It's not like it's. I don't know. It's not like everybody's like, oh, I gotta play, gotta play Shinobi on the Master System, right? Yeah, I don't. Have you heard of Retro Pies, like the retro machines people build? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I got into tinkering with some of those, and there's some Sega Master System games on there, and they have like a version of Altered Beast on there. Yeah, a few other Golden Axe old ones that are. Yeah. It's a decent little machine, so that's interesting enough. Yeah, but, like, Altered Beast was way better in the arcade and then way better on the Genesis, you know, with the, yeah. and the same thing with Golden Axe. It doesn't hold up very well. Um, Golden Axe is fine. Altered Beast is kind of painful to play. It was mostly, I think, about the graphics at that time. Yeah. But it uh, it plays pretty shitty today. You know you know, and, you know who I liked back in the day, and this wasn't Sega? I liked the... Uh, the NEC, the Turbo Graphics, I liked Bonk. I was a big fan of Bonk. I had Turbo Graphics. So 16. did I. I. Yeah, I wanted, and the games were cards. I used to carry them around in my. I had like yep. a kid wallet. I used to put them in my wallet for some reason and carry them. The game that came with the system with was Keith Courage. What was it? Keith, Keith Courage? Courage in Alpha Zones. In the Alpha Zones, I used to, I used to play the shit out of that game, and then I had Bonk. I had Bonk's Revenge, which was the second one. And I, I didn't have Bonk 3, but I had the first two. And then I had Splatterhouse. Splatterhouse was Splatterhouse the, was awesome. Splatterhouse was, like, by today's standards, Splatterhouse is garbage. But back in the day, like, before Resident fucking Evil, this was the scariest game that we had at the time. Yeah, I, there's one boss battle in Splatterhouse that I still remember. You're in a, you're in a room with just all this furniture. And the furniture starts attacking you like a chair starts flying at you and then the chandelier falls and yeah. shit starts just going crazy. And then there's a pause and you think you beat the boss and then like a mirror flies at you or something like that. I remember it like, was actually kind of creepy. I remember the first time I like uh, stood in front of a mirror in Splatter House and something like crashed through it. It scared the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now you watch like the. You can get on YouTube and watch like play like you know gameplay of like all these old games and stuff like that, and you're just like, oh my god, I don't know. I love it for nostalgia. It, it's it's good for that. But yeah, I mean, if you can fucking hack the shit out of that fucking PlayStation and put some real games on there and have fun at uh, have fun with it, then more power to you. But yeah, it seems like the only ones that have been able to kind of like uh, you know sell these things and make these things kind of like worthwhile for people has been the the Nintendo. Yeah, and you know, it's funny, there's definitely, when I see PlayStation 1 graphics on a, like a TV today, mm. it's really hard, it's very, very hard to look at. Yeah, like, when, it's so blocky, reason, it's so blocky, it, man. It's blocky, and it's almost like, because it's 3D, but not like today's graphics, it makes me dizzy and sick, and when I see old Nintendo graphics, it it actually, they look better for some reason, it's yeah. just, it's hard yeah. to explain. You know, you know, uh, here's, you know, fucking Nintendo getting that, uh, that new Capcom Marvel Ultimate Alliance game, right? Yeah, the last one was horrible. Oh, the, the last game was garbage? It was garbage. Really? Yeah, they tried to, yeah. I don't know, man. Part of me was just like, because uh, I loved uh, my PS3. I had the Marvel Ultimate Alliance game on that. And I, I played the shit out of that, man. I played the shit out of that game. That game was so much fun. And so it's like uh, for Nintendo to get this as like an exclusive, that's kind of a big deal. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was talking about Mount Marvel versus Capcom. Yeah. No, so Marvel, they, Marvel Ultimate yeah, they, Alliance. 
Yeah, and it's Thanos and the Black Order and stuff. I'm actually pretty psyched about that. God damn it. That's the thing. It's like, uh, you know, like uh, I've got a PS4. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have access to that game now. Like I was playing Marvel Ultimate Alliance on my PS3. I still got it, man. Like that's a game that I'll still bust out it, it, to this day. Every one, every great once in a while, I'll play that game because I really yeah. enjoy it. And now I will not be able to play Marvel Ultimate Alliance unless I get a fucking Nintendo Switch, which is not gonna happen. Yeah did you did you play the second one? That one that was based on Civil War. No. Uh-uh. Okay, it's kind of disappointing, but you, it's it's Marvel Ultimate Alliance. But at some point, you pick you know Cap side or Iron Man side, and you fight against the other characters. Um, so I would skip it to be honest. Did you see the trailer for uh, Mortal Kombat Eleven? Yes, I did. Dude, yeah. that, that game looks fucking dope as shit, man. It does. That's another one. This is going to sound shitty, but like if I get it, I can only play it night yeah you know? it's so, violent super violent yeah i'm actually really excited because the there's a company called arcade one up that you talked about on an episode a while ago that makes these cabinets you can get at like walmart and they are making a mortal Kombat cabinet that's coming out in september and it's going to have mortal Kombat one two and three on it damn damn um, yeah i used to play we used to have fucking mortal like what dude I'm, like i'm talking like i was a big time gamer back in the day we used to have fucking like Mortal Kombat con- at like uh, tournaments at my house and shit. Have like a bunch of people just come over and we pass the controller and we'd play Mortal Kombat two and three. I mean, I just remember, man, I just remember that shit. It was so much fun. I don't know. I just like, um, I hope you know that's part of part of this uh, Mortal Kombat eleven is hope. I'm just hoping it brings back that feeling that I had when I was playing like these games when I was growing up and stuff like that and and uh, th- there's a character in this that I believe and I can't remember the character's name but he can actually control the match timer oh interesting yeah uh, yeah I didn't see that yeah which gives it kind of like that Prince of Persia like sands of time element where like if you die this character can like take it back in time like before your fatality that they performed on you and you get a second chance to like whoop whoever, whoop whoever's ass, you know. So they did a, a really nice job with the last game before this mixing in other IPs. Like you could play as uh, Leatherface and um, the Predator yeah. alien. It was pretty cool. Yeah, they've done that before. They've done that before. They've added like uh, characters from like horror films and shit, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's neat when they do fatalities. Like Leatherface had all sorts of crazy chainsaw fatalities and stuff. So didn't like uh, was it Soul Calibur that was adding like like if you had it Soul Calibur for like the PS4 you could play with Spawn and with if you had a Nintendo GameCube or whatever the fuck you could play as uh, Link and if you had no is you could play as Hayachi if you had fucking like the PlayStation right. Yeah, this is going back pretty far, so I'm sure someone listening knows better than I do. But I could swear there was one where it was like Yoda was exclusive and another where Darth Vader was exclusive or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it got really annoying. I know what you're saying. T- yeah, exactly. Yeah, you'd have to. And it was almost like a way for them to just sell like the game multiple times on different systems. Right. Which was shit. Ah, eh, fucking sucks. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. How's that sound? Can we, um, any interest in playing uh, Jack and Diane? Is it, I don't mean to take over your podcast, but. 
Hold on, Jack and Diane. Yeah, I just I'm looking at uh, John Mellencamp's catalog, and that that's a great song. Here we go, Jack and Diane. Yeah, you know, let's let's break things up a little bit. I think it's destroying our show. I think like less people are tuning in every week because we're doing this. Eh, fuck them. I didn't like you in the first place. You can create a professional website that looks stunning. You hear that, everybody? You know, if I was uh, if I was John Cougar Mellencamp, what I would do, I would be a, uh, I would start my own camp run by cougars. <laughs> <laughs> right. Wait. So the the cougars are in charge of the camp. Uh, so the cougars are like camp counselors. Cougars are totally camp counselors, and it's a melon camp. Do the cougars eat the campers? No, no. These are these are these are women in their forties that just want to have sex with young uh, men. I'm thinking like actual. <laughs> no, it's a camp. It's a camp for cougars, where and it's not for children. Young men would then come to the camp, and they would uh, find uh, the uh, the cougar of their dreams. I like this idea. Oh, it sounds nice. And like, and they they would have like events based, uh, melon based events. Like whether it be, oh, like who can uh, melon balling is tonight. Like how many melons can you ball? And you know, just different <laughs> melon events. You know, you mel- classic melon events, right? Oh, classic! Yeah, yeah, yeah those classic melon events. Yeah, exactly. Like the, the how many rubber bands can you put around the melon before it explodes? Things like that. Yeah, and stuff like that, and. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it, what, 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 what is happening to this show? I, I don't. I, <laughs> I don't know anymore. I, I, what have you? What have you done, Greg? <laughs> it's been. What episode is this, Brian? Uh, Two hundred and seventy-four, I think. All right. I'm. I've been. Uh, I've been listening since episode eight, and I'm glad I finally ruined your podcast. For oh, good. it's terrible. Like this is garbage. <laughs> And I lost. I I've lost my my uh, when we had to re- when I had to reboot the computer. I've lost my bumpers from the bump from the bumpers. I had oh, that no. all. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is terrible. All right, let's move on into the pop culture leftovers news. And um, Jesus Christ, I was gonna play one of the. Ah, fuck the tradition. I'll just play the regular news bumper. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it It's a lift of a news and there's no doubt about it This news is gangster as fuck, yo It's gangster as fuck, yo There we go That's what happens when unforeseen things happen um, In quick news, uh, Deadline announced that uh, Sony is prepping an Escape Room sequel uh, Did did either of you see Escape Room in theaters? You take the kids to see that one there, Greg? No, I did not. I did listen to your review and decided to skip it. Really? It's a fun movie, man. I thought you said that the end wasn't. It was like two thirds of a fun movie. The, uh, yes. Yeah. The ending is absolutely stupid. But I would still watch this one, man. I would still watch oh, this okay. one. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is like one of those movies. Like if you were like uh, like if it showed up on like USA, you'd be like, man, I'm glad I watched that movie. 
I'm glad I tuned into <laughs> USA tonight. Yeah, like a friend. If a friend gives me a pirated version, maybe I'll spend a couple hours watching. There you go. I don't know. I th- it was. I mean, the movie was made for nine million, and it brought in a hundred and nineteen million. So it did pretty good. <laughs> So I think wow. I, I think good. yeah. So I think Sony kind of like figured like yeah. I think we need to have a follow up here. So uh, they got the the original writer and the producers to come back, and they're going to do a uh, follow up to this one. Um, so yeah, I uh, I had a lot of fun, man. I wanted to, I want to see new. The best part of the movie was what they was what they touted escape room, like the different rooms that they would escape were a blast. They were a lot of fun. And I think like, that's what I would come back for in a second film is to see what rooms they're going to be escaping out of this time because the rooms were fun. And, uh, so yeah, I'm actually excited that we're going to get a sequel to this one, even though the ending was stupid in that movie. (laughs) Um, news from variety Gremlins animated series in the works at Warner Media Streaming Service. So a Gremlins animated series is in development at Warner Media's upcoming streaming service. Variety has learned exclusively from sources. Uh, the potential series is said to be a period piece that would follow Mr. Wing, the Chinese grandfather played in the films by Key Luke. Uh, as a young man as he goes on adventures with the friendly Mogwai Gizmo. The series will be produced by Warner Brothers Television and Amblin Television. Both Warner Brothers and Amblin produce the films on which the show will be based. Um, I don't know about this. Uh, If this is what we're getting, I toss this news. This sounds like... like I I don't know. If I want to... If I want to get – this sounds like kitty, like little kid bullshit, right? Like th- this is great for like your kids to watch. But I feel like, th- you know, if I want an animated Gremlin series, like I want them to cater to the adults that grew up on this shit. Like make this a little bit more – I mean those movies were PG and I totally get it. But like I want them to cater towards – me as a viewer like what i want and maybe have like i don't know like i I want the gremlins to be scary and um you know this just sounds stupid uh let's follow mr wing and the adventures that he went on with gizmo i don't know yeah this is definitely geared for kids yes yeah i i think this is stupid as fuck it's just dumb like yeah I mean, I get it. Like, if they this, what it sounds like to me, if this is for kids, it's like they want to bring kids in now to this franchise, like with this animated cartoon and then this animated series, and then like have the kids grow with the character, and like they just keep churning out these series or movies or whatever, and just keep them all animated. Mm, I get it. I mean, like, I have no problem with uh, introducing the the new generation to Gremlins. And uh, keeping the franchise alive that way. But, um, you know, th- we haven't done anything with the franchise since, you know, 1990 when Gremlins 2 came out. The only other thing we've done with this franchise was like, wasn't that in the Batman movie when we saw like the, the Batman Lego film when we saw Gremlins pop up? 
I think so. And they, they were in Lego Dimensions, too. There was a fun little yeah. Gremlins level or something like that. And, you know, Gremlins is definitely like an 80s PG movie, meaning if it came out today, it would probably be PG-13. Totally. Because, I mean, those Gremlins straight up fucking murder a whole lot of people. <laughs> yeah, they did. Remember the fucking teacher? They mur- they mm-hmm. murdered they murdered the fucking teacher. They try to kill the mom. The mom throws one of the gremlins in the microwave. Yeah, turns it on it and blows it the fucking up. She throws one of the fucking gremlins in a blender, and blends the <laughs> fuck out of the motherfucker. And you got green blood and goo flying all over the fucking kitchen. Can you imagine yeah. the nightmare it, it, of her cleaning that kitchen up after the, after that debacle? <laughs> It's it's almost like it's interesting because people the the design for Gizmo is so adorable. Like yeah. when I was a little kid, I had a Gizmo that was like my teddy bear. Yeah, but it's really more of like a B movie horror movie when you really think about it. Um, one thing I'm really curious about if they if they go this route, how does it feel watching that cartoon, knowing that what's his name, Mister? I don't even remember Mister Wing. Yeah, Mister Wing is dead, right? Yeah, knowing that he goes and sells Gizmo to some random fucking family oh, one day. No, he didn't. It was his, he didn't sell it to um he didn't sell it to him. It was his nephew that sold it to Billy. Oh, so he left the Gizmo with his dipshit nephew who sells him to Mr. Mr. <laughs> Mr. Wing went to the back of the store to stock some shelves for like some ancient yeah, he- for some like ancient artifacts and shit that they got there, and so you know his the nephew was on a hardcore drug habit. If he's going to sell your fucking pet when you're not looking, his nephew was like eleven and like was out watching the front of the store, and uh, the dad was there for some kind of like inventor's convention and looking for like a unique gift for his son, and uh, he wants to buy the Mogwai uh, Gizmo. And the little kid's like, we need this money to stay in business because, like, you know, nobody's coming to my fucking uh, grandfather's antiquity, you know, antiquities fucking shop and buying this crap. And uh, so he sells sells it to this guy. And so, yeah, Mr. Wing didn't like willingly sell sell Gizmo. He didn't feel like uh, the family. He didn't feel like anybody was up to the task of, like, not feeding this fucker after midnight or getting him wet. Or whatever. That just makes the story darker to me because Gizmo talks. I mean, he's not like a pay. He basically sold a family member when his uncle wasn't looking. It's <laughs> <laughs> like someone coming over to my house and I sell my younger son and my wife comes home. She's like, where's Adam? I'm like, I fucking sold him. <laughs> but you wouldn't believe what he was offering me. Yeah, right. I got $500 for Adam. Honey, you were worried you were worried about making the mortgage payment this month. We don't have to worry about it anymore. What okay? mortgage? I'm going on a meth bender for that money if I'm selling my son. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and honey, I hate to break it to you, but I sold one of your kidneys, too. Right, yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to get in the ice bath. Yeah, there's already ice. There's ice in the tub waiting for her. I've got the buyer waiting in the living room, honey. Let's just speed this up, okay? Now, now that series, that's what I want to see. Like Mr. Wing's nephew plotting to sell fucking Gizmo from out from under him for, for years and finally getting the chance. Wouldn't it be fucked up if his nephew actually sold Mr. Wing to the family? And there could be a sitcom like Mr. Wing and Me, where they, you know, like Mr. Wing has these bizarre, like, paper lanterns he's putting throughout the house and he's pissing off the filters. (laughs) 
Um, what was the, what was oh my god what was the fucking uh, Richard Pryor movie The Toy was it called The Toy The Toy yeah, yeah. oh my god I can't believe that you would not be able to get away with that movie today no 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 you could not <laughs> but was it was it or was it not a funny fucking movie Oh it's it, a classic it is, it is a classic but you couldn't make it today oh, Fuck no you no, couldn't no, make no, it nobody today. would touch that movie no, nobody would touch that movie but no. my god <laughs> Richard Pryor that was a great fucking movie Oh man he's so funny I can't believe yeah yeah, he pushed the fucking boundaries of comedy back in the day. Jesus Christ. Gremlins animated. I, this is not the Gremlins animated I want. This is not the Gremlins property that I want. I don't want to see the adventures of uh, Mr. Wing and Gizmo. I'm sorry. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I do not give a flying fuck about that. Um, oh, I got this news from Screen Rant. Um, Rose's handprint is still visible on the Titanic car windows decades later. What? Wait, this yes. is new? Yes, James Cameron recently tweeted a photo Ugh. of the car. Cameron. Oh, come on, would you stop? Last week with the James, we get it. James Cameron, we get it, Rebecca. He, he's just, he's an old man. He's going to say stupid shit, all right? But my God, you got to admit, the guy has contributed some amazing pieces of cinema, and he's changed the landscape of movies over I his career. I don't deny that, but I don't. He I, said one thing about about Wonder Woman. Can we let it slide? <laughs> okay, but what I'm saying is about this particular piece of news, yeah. I don't recall getting interrupted with breaking news that like Rose's handprint is still visible on he, the Titanic's car. Uh, he tweeted it. He tweeted a photo of the car window and it, and and it at Jim Cameron. Over 20 years later, the infamous Titanic movie handprint is still there. Look closely. So they showed the pic. You can definitely see it. Her handprint is still there from that uh, the sex scene that her and Jack had in the back of that car. So her handprint is still. It's still right there on the window. You know when she's having like when he's doing what he's doing and she slams her hand up there and it like runs down the window as she's having her orgasm. <laughs> what was he doing in that? Like, I was wondering from your perspective uh-huh. what was going on there. He was fucking moment. her. What are you? What are you? What are you talking about? <laughs> you're gonna, so you're, you're you're telling me? Look, I'm sorry, but he's going to get that kind of reaction? Yes. From her, just the straight sex. I'm have sorry, you never I, had? I, you, have you never had your uh, toes curl from an orga- from an orgasm ever? Never once. Oh I my god! Definitely. I think he was going down on her, and I'm kind of curious how that worked in like 1912. I think it worked the same way as it does today. Come on, think about it. You say, uh, you're say, okay, so she's so she's uh, she's got a uh, she's she's got a briar patch down there. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah, I'm thinking that you know. Plus, there's no porn, so he doesn't know where he's what he's doing to what. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he, he spent a lot of time in France, right? Oh, I forgot about the. Fr- Remember okay. that he's doing a lot of things in France. You know? Okay. Yeah, the French prostitutes. I forgot that. Yeah, okay, he's uh, taking. He's drawing pictures of uh, you know legless French prostitutes. So yeah, maybe he he's probably got some experience on uh, flicking the clit with his tongue, right? Got it. All right, Rebecca. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> I, I see the movie in a different light now. Dude, I don't know. I don't. You've never had your toes curl from having sex. Um. 
Not really, no. Uh, I'm not so. saying that like it's I've, happened to me every time, but I would say like at least twice in my lifetime from having sex, yeah. I've had my toes curl from like, oh. Usually I'm just, yeah. I'm just focusing on trying to end this horribly disappointing moment for whoever, for, for often my wife and you know, prior to that some poor woman. And just the terrible pressure, knowing that I'm disappointing her. You know what I mean? You're like it's it, no. You, you sound like a, like a sexual encounter from like with with Reek from fucking like Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that they were having some uh, good loving body rocking, knocking boots all night long, and she l- threw her hand up there. And she was satisfied in that moment. You know, I'm just going to have to I'm going to have to watch the scene again to really appreciate what was happening. Well, 20 years later, you can still fucking see the goddamn handprint on the fucking car. <laughs> I find it bothersome that James Cameron went out to look at the car. Like, where is the Who car? Has the, exactly. I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, who, does just James Cameron own this car? Is he is he checking up on the car? Is, I, is it like in a, a warehouse like the Ark of the Covenant? He just mm-hmm. goes in, opens this wooden box, and looks at the car? From I have there? a feeling <laughs> that he puts his hand on the other side of the handprint and jerks it. <laughs> That's exactly where my mind went. I think he that's true. He to key set pieces from all of his films. I'm t- Titanic. I don't. What do you guys? What are your thoughts on that movie? Titanic, 1997's Titanic. I think it is a fucking masterpiece. I love that fucking movie. It, it pulls a lot of the right strings. I mean, it's very much James Cameron in that there's some kind of cheesy moments in it, but I think it's a. I think it's a very strong film, and it does hold up very, very well. Mm-hmm. I think it's an excellent movie. I, I liked it a whole lot. I remember seeing it in the theater. Um, I remember when it came out, there were, um, like girls my age who were like, it's the best movie I've ever seen in my whole life. And I'm like, well, no, but I still enjoyed it a whole lot. I thought it was a really great love story. I thought it was a really great representation of what happened. Um, I thought the effects were like spectacular for the time, especially, um, I I thought it was a great movie. I loved it. Yeah. I I love it. One big problem with Titanic though. And it's it's a particular character, and I think if both of you think back, you're gonna know who I'm talking about. That is that ruins the oh, movie. Fabrizio. Think, it's Fabrizio, right? Fabrizio. Oh, it, oh my God! The boat is sinking. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah. What am I gonna do? I'm a mama. <laughs> <laughs> should, oh yeah, it's like uh, like uh, chill out, man. You're like his, uh, he, like the only thing that's missing is like his brother Luigi, right? Like, yeah, exactly. As an Italian male, he he is the most fucking offensive character I've ever seen. In a movie, yeah, like they, they did everything short. You know the sound when Mario dies in the games that like, <laughs> that, that, like when that, that smokestack fell. I swear to God, I was waiting for that. Fabrizio just sinks down to the bottom of the Atlantic. Oh my God! Oh my God! It's a smokestack. <laughs> no, like 
like there's a fucking like mushroom floating in the water. <laughs> yeah. Bowser jumps out from behind the iceberg. <laughs> Somebody throws him a star, and he's like, he's fine. <laughs> Um, dude, dude, that deleted scene of fucking Fabrizio in the Tanuki suit. Oh man! Woo! I'm gonna use I'm gonna use my fireballs to melt the iceberg. <laughs> fireballs to melt the iceberg. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god fucking Fabrizio was terrible right like you know I, I'm surprised he didn't show up in the fucking prequels with Lucas right yeah and actually I, I don't I don't want this to be too deep of a cut but one yeah. of the first emails I ever sent you was about how much I hated Fabrizio and I was like fuck Fabrizio and his fucking ass and I wrote the email on my iPhone and then I realized I sent it from my work account and I got the email back about using inappropriate language oh wow oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah, I almost got fired because of your podcast I remember <laughs> that yeah I remember yeah. that yeah Oh my gosh, fucking Fabrizio. <laughs> I knew it. Guess it. You're fucking the fire. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, um, uh, let's see. Did, uh, hey, uh, did you guys, did you guys watch Candyman, the original movie? Were you fans? Yes. Rebecca? Um, just I don't say think yes I've or no. I've seen that movie. I don't think so. Really, the, the the movie where you um, and it's fine. It's uh, look, you, you say Candyman in the mirror, and no, uh, I, okay. I yeah, I've, I've never seen that movie. Well, Jordan Jordan Peele is going to be uh, doing a uh, he's going to be producing a new Candyman film, and it looks like they've cast uh, they're getting close to cast their uh, new Candyman, which is going to be Yaya Abdul Mateen. Oh, nice. So I uh, did not see him in the Get Down. I know, like a lot of people are a fan of him in the Get Down. I never. I watched the first episode. It was not my thing, so I stopped watching that show. And I did not really care for him as Black Manta in the Aquaman movies. But everybody is telling me like this guy is very talented. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold out on this one. But it looks like they're uh, touting him to be our next Candyman, which is gonna hit theaters. June 12th of next year. So they're looking to start production in the spring. And this is supposedly a spiritual sequel to the original. So this is going to be doing kind of like what Halloween did last year. Last year's Halloween only recognized the first Halloween film and none of the sequels. And this seems to be they're doing the same thing here. With this one, with uh, you know Jordan Peele's production company, Monkey Paw, and they're only going to be recognizing the first film, and this is going to be a spiritual sequel to the original. So, I can't wait. Uh, yeah, did did I'm guessing you saw the US trailer? Oh yeah! Oh hell yeah, dude! I mean, that thing looks terrifying. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the. Have you seen the second one? I think the one that I saw was the second one. I think it was with Alita Battle Angel. Yeah, yeah, that's the second one. Yeah, absolutely. So, and there looks like uh, this uh, Candyman remake also, they might get uh, uh, Tiana Paris in a role for this. And she played the, uh, 
sister Tish in um, Barry Jenkins' new film, If Beale Street Could Talk. And she would play the girlfriend of Abdul Mateen in this film. She would play an art dealer in Chicago, his girlfriend. So, I mean, it looks like the cast is shaping up, but they get Yaya Abdul Mateen and then Tayana Paris. So, and then, you know. You can't count out anything that fucking Jordan Peele's working on, so I'm looking forward to this. I hope it's great, because I think that there's... Uh, I think this could actually be better than the original. I think there's a lot of story to be told here with uh, The Candyman. I think it's a really cool fucking story. I loved... Dude, Greg, that fucking... That original movie was incredible. When I, when I watched that as a kid, I was like, this is awesome. This is a great fucking story. Yeah, I think I was in high school when it came out, and it was one of those great high school horror movies that yeah. you know we saw in the theater, and then we rent it on videotape and watch it in somebody's basement. It's mm-hmm. it's a really great movie and a great concept that I definitely think they can get a lot more mileage out of. I hope that they go like old school and use like real bees in this movie as opposed to like fucking CG bees because like, dude, if they use CG bees, it's not going to be scary, man. But fucking, there's something there's something to be said about practical effects in these movies i hope that they 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 take it old school yeah i'd love to see some crazy b shit in this one which i'm sure i'm sure we will yeah rebecca talk to me about the uh the new news that came out this week about uh one of your favorite franchises yeah so uh some news this week about the new picard series uh, there's actually two articles here that I looked at. The one that you sent me from Dark Horizons. Um, uh, so it's confirmed it's 10 episodes. This takes place, the, the series will take place in the year 2839, which is 10 years after Nemesis and 20 years after the end of uh, TNG. Um they're saying this article is saying that Picard is the only character from TNG that's going to return, um, which I'm kind of a little surprised that I thought we would we might see some, which I guess we can't count out. We can't out, we can't count out cameos from, you know, like Jonathan Frakes playing Riker or Marina Sirtis playing Troy. Certainly, I'd love to see Brent Spiner return and play Data. Um, Although I, I do know that Jonathan Frakes is going to be directing some episodes here, which is which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, he, he's confirmed to direct at least one. He may direct more. Um, and this does take place in the in the prime timeline, not the Kelvin. So this is not the J.J. Abrams universe. This is the original universe, the one that TNG and all the, <laughs> all the movies take place in. Um, they also have confirmed that uh, in this timeline, Romulus has been destroyed uh, two years before this show starts by uh, their star going supernova and that this is going to be a big impact on Picard because he had a big uh, part to play in trying to reunify Romulus with Vulcan and then open up you know talks between the Federation and the Romulus uh, and the Romulan Empire but the Romulan Empire is gone now uh, in this in, in this show Um it looks like also it's going to start mid-April production. They are going to – looks like they're leaning into Picard's love of archaeology here, which was a big part of his character in TNG. Um, and it, I, it, 
all the signs are pointing to that he is no longer in Starfleet at this point, which is fine. I, it makes sense, right? Because he's much older um, to retire from Starfleet and kind of be settled down on Earth. Makes sense to me. Um, they did have a breakdown of the seven characters that are like the key main characters here. I'll just go through them really quickly. Um, we've got Starton, who is the only guy that seems to have a Starfleet background, and he has an expert in positronic brains, but he's terrified of space. So uh, it's kind of going to be that whole, like, oh, no, I'm scared of being in space, but I have to go in space. So it looks like they're going to play up that angle. Um, You have Connie, who is apparently some kind of a mercenary pilot, and she is facing a death sentence on her home planet. So she's kind of on the run. We've got Lawrence, who's a pilot and a thief. He's going to be like the pilot of the card ship here. We've got Dr. Smith, who is going to be a, a hologram, apparently. So in for yeah. those who, who watched... Yeah, so like if, if you watched Voyager, you know that there was um, a um, holographic doctor, the EMH. Um, and so this is kind mm-hmm. of the same thing, except this guy is going to be like an EMH, but for like all systems. So engineering, tactical science, and medical. So like you can kind of... Bring him up when you need, like, if your science officer gets killed and you need somebody to take that position, you can call up this this EMH hologram and they can take over the position. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got a Kabar, who's a 17-year-old Romulan. um, And And has never, never, their their toes have never curled from having sex. That's Probably not. (laughs) If they're only 17, I doubt it. You haven't had toe-curling sex at 17. Nobody has. Nobody has. just awkward Romulan hand jobs. Exactly, exactly. Which is which is very uncomfortable, or so I've heard. Um, it's like having then you, it's like having a cheese grater rubbing against your dick. Oh, yikes! <laughs> no, but seriously, wait. Did I have this conversation with you or somebody else? Um, having sex with a Klingon would probably be pretty terrible. Like, like, uh, yeah, that would probably be terrible. I don't, um, I, I don't know. I, I, you probably had that conversation with multiple people, for all we know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, um, what else? Uh, so th- th- this kid, Kabar, is, like, apparently really devoted to Picard, and he's, like, a martial art expert, so that's going to be pretty cool to see who they cast for that. You've got Indira, who uh, is socially challenged, um, and she's cut off from her home. And she's this is like a new mission where like she's she's like really into it, but she doesn't really have great social skills. So we we kind of see them play with that type of character also on Discovery. So it looks like they're trying to kind of bring that forward again here. And then finally, we have Alana, who if they cast somebody in this age range, she's supposed to be forty to fifty. It looks like she could be like a love interest for Picard. Um, she, I find her character actually would be the most interesting because she has a history of drug and alcohol abuse. Um, she's like an uh, an analyst, and um, she's they describe her as a former intelligence officer, but they don't say for which intelligence agency mm. or even which species. So there's no nothing to say that she's Starfleet here. So. Um, wouldn't, yeah, it be, they, wouldn't it be crazy if, like, uh, you talk about her with her alcohol abuse and, like, ev- at the end of, like, every episode she starts singing, like, 80s theme songs? <laughs> that would be funny. It's 
strangely specific, but yes, it would be very funny. Yeah, like at the end of each episode of Picard. Like the last like ten to fifteen minutes are just dedicated to like this chick like belting out fucking like the facts of life theme song. Yeah, and like yeah, that that would be actually kind of interesting. I, I would personally enjoy that yeah. very much. But um yeah, that's that's the breakdown right now for the series. There's still no title. Um, although I think they're stupid if they don't just call the series Picard. They will. Like they have to. They like the, the the working title is called Drawing Room. I it won't be called that, of course. But um, yeah, if they don't call this series just straight up Picard, they're they're just in, insane. But um, I think they yeah, will. it's shaping yeah. up to be an interesting series, and uh, definitely no. They're leaning into that this is Picard's show. Like they yeah. are not really leaning into bringing back. At least right now, any of the TNG crew. Yeah, uh, the character descriptions were originally released by that hashtag show, I believe. So, and they've been, as far as their character descriptions have been recently, they've been right on the money. So, I would put stock into these being pretty legit. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, that they're expected to start production actually next month, mid-April. Um, and everything I've seen online, at least from Patrick Stewart's side. Um, he has been actively involved in this show from day one. Like he's been in the writer's room. He's been at table reads. He's been at, I mean, he has been involved and I'm so happy that he's so um, like enthused to return to this role because he had said very publicly that he, he'd hung up this role. He was not going to play Picard again. And then, you know, they've kind of, lured him back with the show. So I, I'm super excited for it, of course. Um, but yeah, it should be coming out, I believe, the end of this year. That's the um, the tentative date. End of this year? I thought it was going to be next. Oh, end of next year. I'm sorry. You're yeah. right. It, it, it's end of next year, not not this year. End of next year. But um, yeah, because it's probably going to be a ton of post stuff that they have to do, like yeah. all their... They, well, they were well. They were touting the fact that the, that we're going to get two um, two Star Trek series in the same year. No, you could be right. It could be the end of this year. It still could because we're getting Discovery this year. So, I haven't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, Discovery's going on right now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I I don't remember when the animated Star Trek series is supposed to start. Um, You're just full I, of like no nothing. Right now. Well, there's one thing I don't know. I just read you a whole bunch of yeah. things I didn't Brian, know. Do you, do you want to pause so Rebecca can do some research? Yeah, I think, I think. Shut up, Greg. I think, Nobody asked I think we should. I think, Greg, thank you. Finally, a voice of reason. <gasps> Finally, a voice of reason in, in, in the halls of madness that is this show. <laughs> I do have a question. Rebecca, Is do you think if this is a hit, we get another season, or is this a one and done? Um... My gut says we'll get another season, but having said that, I kind of have to see how this how this works out. I, I, I can't uh, I would imagine they would do two or three seasons tops for this. Um, I don't see Patrick Stewart maybe wanting to do more than that. Um, I, I don't also I don't well but I I don't want them to just how do I say this? Like I, I want them to tell me a good story in the first season. I do want to leave it open for future seasons, but I don't want them to drag it out 
and try to get like 10 seasons out of this. I, I don't think that that's the right way to go. I think two to three seasons of this show would be would be fine for me. Yeah, I'm wondering if uh, we get the death of Picard at some point. Uh, we'll see, I guess. Oh, I want, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, but mm. I would hate, I, I would hate to see him come back and do ten episodes just to kill him off. Um, I, I don't know if I'd be okay. I don't know if I'd be happy with that. I, I probably wouldn't be. Um, I, I would enjoy seeing, though, like an overarching story. Like, it seems like that's what this will be. Ten, a 10-episode ten series, an overarching story with some archaeological thing that he's after. Um, and certainly, like, uh, you know, season two could be either they're off on another mission or maybe, it, you know, season one could end with somebody from TNG coming to him and saying, you know, we need you for this other mission. Maybe, you know, so, so something like that. But, again, I just... I don't want to see one season and then Picard dies at the end. I want That's to see I want to see a hit series. I don't want to see this turn into like the next X-Files where it comes back for like one season, one and a half seasons and then it's done. I want to see this be like a hit series that has the yes. it has the chance to come back for like two, three, four seasons depending on how good the creative team is that's involved in this because like if they're having fun and bringing us great stories like you know, continue it like absolutely by all means continue this. Like I don't want to see it get to the point where it starts getting stale. But if you can exactly. continue to give me great stories and you can give me like ten episode seasons with fantastic stories, then keep going. the The worst part about this would be the fact that like they only give us one season, but we fall in love with other characters that they introduce us to because like we're getting all these new characters. Like right. this could be this could be you know like. That's the thing. The next generation, that's what it did. Like, we got all brand new characters here, you know, in the next generation. Data, Worf, you know, like all the, mm -hmm. you know, we got, uh, we got all these new characters, Picard. And here's the thing with this new series, it sounds like he's the only like carryover. We've got Picard and it's, <laughs> right. It's a whole new cast. And if I fall in love with this new cast, I might want to be like, yeah, this is not just about Picard. Like I actually I'm now I'm invested in like this new character and I want to see like more stories with this character. Like, yeah, I came here for Picard, but I'm loving everything else that you're giving me. So I guess it, it kind of all comes down to like what the producers and writers can give us with like these new characters and what can keep us coming back because I would love to see this be kind of like a like a springboard, like a launch pad for like this new series and like for potential new series going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like that's that's what I want too. like I I'm excited that they're making new Star Trek series here. And certainly like I, I, th I think Picard is the perfect place to start because I mean, pa Patrick Stewart playing that role and and the character of Jean-Luc Picard is probably like, not probably, he is, in my opinion, the standout character from The Next Generation. And he's, I mean, a lot of people grew up with him as their, as their captain, as, mm -hmm. as their Star Trek captain. So starting with Picard, super smart, bringing in a whole bunch of new people. I think it's really going to be interesting here because usually with TNG, they, they always fell back on the Romulans as like, 
kind of a go-to villain. Like, when they didn't know what else to do, like, uh, make it the Romulans. Okay. Uh, and it was because they were, like, the other superpower in the, in the universe. And now that, or in, in the galaxy, and then now that they're gone, now that or the Empire is gone, you probably have individual groups living other places. Um you know, maybe we can get away maybe from just the Romulans being sort of the go-to villain of the series and introduce maybe a new villain or, um, you know, maybe or bring up an older villain from Picard's past. I think that would be interesting. But for sure, they're, they're leaning into his love of archaeology here, which was always um, those were some of the best Picard episodes, really, in, in The Next Generation. Uh, I love the character and I can't wait to see him come back and I can't wait to see like... How he interacts with new characters. So I'm looking mm-hmm. looking forward to the series. News from Deadline here. Um, yeah, we keep hearing about how, like, Fox isn't going to be making, like, the, the Gambit movie. Fox is, like, they're done with, like, moving forward as far as their Marvel stuff. But, and, like, oh, we're not going to get, like, the the Brian K. Vaughn Silver Surfer movie. The Noah Hawley Doctor Doom movie is not going to happen. But it doesn't look like Fox Searchlight is stopping anytime soon. Because it looks like we're getting a reboot of 1991's Sleeping with the Enemy uh, that starred Julia Roberts. This is going to be a uh, reimagining of the property. Um, I'll be honest with you. This was a great fucking thriller when it came out in 1991. Like, I watched this. Yeah, it was. It was was a great movie. Great fucking movie. Like, I watched this probably. I think it came out, like, on HBO. And like I, I, I fucking I, I watched the shit out of this movie. It's a fantastic film. Julia Roberts was great in this movie. It was very scary. Uh, the, the definition of a thriller. And uh, is this one of those movies that needs to be rebooted, though? Like, is this do you just watch the original? Do you just watch the original with Julia Roberts? But if there's if they're touting this as a reimagining, like, number one, are they going to get the star power to replace Julia Roberts. Are they going to be able to go for like Jennifer Lawrence? Are they going, or, or are they just going to get us some 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 new up and coming or just I don't know Susie McNobody to play this role? Like like what do you want from this? Or do you even want this at all, Greg? Sleep, I, sleep. I have to yeah I have to wonder if what they're going to do is look at. You know, how does that story look in 2019 uh, or 2020 when you have online dating, social media, yeah. people living a life that they might not necessarily be leading? I mean, it I I don't know. I think it could work. And um, it'd be interesting to look at the movie through a sort of modern lens in the in. the OK, uh, the the this is based on a uh, novel that came out in 1987 and basically uh, it was it was. Julia Roberts, she was playing a woman that's trying to escape her abusive husband. Doesn't she go out, like, on a boat? And uh, they go out on a boat one night, their boat, and she, like, falls off the boat, and he thinks that she, like, drowns in the waters. And then she yeah. she picks it, up and moves somewhere else and starts a new life and starts dating a new guy, and mm-hmm. he, he gets word that she's still alive and finds her, and uh, that's when uh, some, the, the chaos ensues. Well, I mean, what made this movie so interesting and and great was uh, they established that basically she was she she didn't know how to swim, that she that she couldn't swim. She was terrified of the water. And then so they go out on this boat and she has a plan already to go so that when she 
she basically she jumps off the ship and she swims to shore and um he assumes that she's drowned because she you know was not a, she she couldn't swim he finds out because when she swims back to shore she goes like to their boathouse and she takes off her wedding ring and she throws it in the toilet and then like a year later or whatever he goes back to their boathouse and he's like reminiscing and he finds the ring in the toilet and mm. that's how he knows that she's still alive wow. and that's what makes it so interesting and then it becomes like oh you think you're going to escape me i'm going i'm going to come after you and i'm going to find you and and you know that's that's when the real thriller kicks in this is a great movie. I remember watching this. I, I think it was it was one of my first girlfriends, and we 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 watched this like we were on the phone talking, and we were watching HBO together, and we watched this movie over the phone, and we're talking about it the whole time. Like that, like I this movie's been around since I was a kid, and I, I've loved this movie, and I just I don't know. It's like like who are you? See, that's the thing. It's like you've got Julia Roberts coming off of like Pretty Woman. And she was huge. It's like, I don't know, man, but it's Fox Searchlight. And Fox Searchlight, I've been a huge fan of, like, what Fox Searchlight has done uh, in recent years. So I'm willing to give this a chance. This is one of those things where, like, I don't know who's going to come back. I don't know who's going to be writing this. I don't know who's going to be directing it or starring in it. They're basically just saying, hey, we're going to give you a Sleeping with the Enemy reboot and I'm worried about like, OK, we recently saw another Julia Roberts film rebooted, Flatliners, and I have no interest in seeing the re- updated Flatliners at all that starred Ellen Page and a cast of nobodies. Um, that first movie with Kevin Bacon, Kiefer Sutherland and Julia Roberts was perfect. That movie mm-hmm. is, was incredible for its time. And so it's like you, you're really going to have to wow me with the casting and, and uh, the director here for the Sleeping with the Enemy reboot before I'm going to get excited to watch this. Like, what, what would it take for you? Like, like, are you excited by the prospect now? And that's fine if you are. Are you excited by the prospect now of Sleeping with the Enemy being rebooted? I mean... <sighs> Yes and no, only because I think these are stories that should always be told, so that's exciting to me. But then, not that it was a reboot, but they did make a very similar movie uh, back in '02 with Jennifer Lopez called Enough. And that movie was terrible. And a lot of that could probably be prescribed to Jennifer Lopez, but um, it, it really comes down to the actress that they cast in that role that's what it really comes down to and just I think it should I think you this is a movie you have to make sure that you get like a really good director you have to get like I think this is when you hire like a female writer I think this is when you really just try to lean into that female experience that that women have had of, of escaping abusive relationships um yeah, it's such a tricky thing because that first movie is so damn good that I'm afraid to see it rebooted. I think they'll make it. I think like what Greg, what you were talking about earlier with like, you know, like how are they going to do it for like a 2019 crowd? I think that's what they're going to go for with this. It's like they're going to update it with like, you know, like uh, the dating apps and like, uh, you know, it's now it's 2019. It's all about 2019 and like uh, trying to get in cash in on a new crowd like uh, teenagers and shit, you know? That, because like we've seen the fucking original, I think they're gonna try to get like the the new kids to 
to watch this one, you know? Did I lose you guys? Yeah, no, 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 I, I agree. Yeah, it might just be like the title is the only thing. You know, they go in a different direction, but yeah. I guess we'll see. And that's the kind of movie, if my wife wants to go, I'll go. I probably wouldn't go out on my own unless I got really good reviews. To yeah, see it. yeah, I guess we got to see who's being... Yeah, just watch the original. That's what I'm thinking, right? Just watch the original at this point. Yeah. Just watch. It's it's a really yeah. fucking good movie. It's really good. Ooh. Yeah, go go. Just go and watch that that original movie because Julia Roberts plays. She just plays her character so three dimensionally. Like she's a she's a woman who's been terrified into submission to this man, and but then she is also a woman who finds the courage to escape him and lays out a plan to do it. Um, and then, of course, when he when he discovers that she is still alive, she has to fight for her very life. I mean, she just gives such a multi layered performance, and it's it's so it's so real. Like that, just go watch that movie. Like it's so good. Just watch that one. Yeah, just watch that one. I don't know who's going to cast this new one. Uh, news from THR: Josh Brolin. I, this has me excited. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to Tupperware this news already. Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage, team for Brothers Comedy. Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage are teaming up to star in Brothers, a comedy package just picked up by Legendary Entertainment in a bidding war. Uh, Eaton Cohen, uh, the writer behind Tropic Thunder and Get Hard, will pen the script. Andrew Lazar, who was a producer on the Bradley Cooper hit American Sniper will produce via his Mad Chance banner. Story details are being kept under wraps, but Brolin and Dinklage are to play, you guessed it, unlikely brothers. Sources say the project harkens tonally to twins, the 1988 Ivan Reitman comedy top line by Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. Yeah, we're going to get a comedy here uh, starring Josh Brolin and Peter Dinklage, uh, Peter Dinklage playing brothers. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's, that's something I want to see. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. It does. Yeah, was there news of a Twins reboot recently, or did I imagine No, that? you did not imagine that. It was going to be called Triplets. It was Danny DeVito, Arnold Schwarzenegger returning, but they were going to add Eddie Murphy. That's right. Yeah, okay. that and that was still, as far as I knew, it was still going to happen, and it sounds like it's going to be terrible. I hope this movie comes out before it and destroys it, and they just bury that fucking movie altogether. Yeah, I think I'd much rather see the uh, the latter. Yeah, I want to see this movie so badly. Mm. Hi, how are you guys doing? Good. 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 How are you? Yeah, I don't know. You guys aren't chatting. Oh, sorry. Chat- I don't know. All right. Yeah, uh, Josh Brolin, Peter Dinklage doing a movie. Looks fun. Sounds fun. It does sound like a lot of fun. I want to see that movie. There you go. All right. Moving on to the next story. <laughs> We're just blazing through these now, aren't we? <laughs> we are, actually. Yeah. Blazing right through it. I don't know. I don't, yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of news about that last one, uh, but uh, that has me excited. I just, like, two two guys that I absolutely love. I, I'm a big fan of Josh Brolin, big fan of Peter Dinklage, 
and to see these guys in a comedy, I think that uh, I think it'd be pretty great. I I would rather see that movie than fucking see the Triplets film. Oh, uh, any day no of the question. week, yeah. I think that Triplets movie sounds like shit. Yeah. That sounds terrible. I would I would watch this over that Triplets movie. It, yeah. Ghostbusters three news from THR. It looks like uh, Carrie Coon and Finn Wolfhard are in talks to star in this film. Uh, sources say the story uh, for the sequel will focus on a single mom and her family, with Kuhn playing the mom and Wolfhard playing her son. Filmmakers are still casting the rest of the family. The new Ghostbusters is said to ignore the 2016 female-led film by director Paul Feig, and the studio would not comment on plot details. Uh, Reitman is directing the picture from a script he co-wrote with Gil Keenan, uh, the director's father, Ivan Reitman, who directed the original film, will produce. So this looks like it's going to be a direct sequel from Ghostbusters 2. Does that mean – since this is going to be a direct sequel from Ghostbusters 2, does that mean that they are going to set this one in the early 90s? Or is this going to be set in 2019 or 2020 now, 30 years removed from that last film that we got that came out in 1989, what do you guys think? What are you putting? Where are you placing your butts? I was trying to think. Sorry. No, go for it. Yeah, I was trying to figure out. Like, I it, my mind immediately went to today, and then I'm like, okay, so how are these new characters going to be connected to the old characters? Is it possible that Finn Wolfhard is baby Oscar a few years later? No. From I don't know. I don't think – yeah, that was like at one time, like that was – possibly. I, I can't say no. It depends on like when this movie comes out. But if they're talking about Finn Wolfhard being the son of Carrie Coon's character, then he would not be Oscar because they would still have Sigourney Weaver in that role, right? Oh, yeah, and I was wondering if Sigourney Weaver is, has been recast, which would be a dangerous move, obviously. Yeah. I don't think they're going to do that. I don't think that they're going to do. I don't think that they would recast Sigourney Weaver. So yeah, Carrie Coon from The Leftovers. She also played Proxima Midnight in Avengers: Infinity War. She was also in season four of Fargo, or was it season th- season three of Fargo? Um, I can't remember. She's been a ton. Of, she was in The Post recently, and then Finn Wolfhard, of course, of Stranger Things fame. But. Um, I think both of these castings are fantastic. Rebecca, what are your bets on? Are they going to have this set in the early 90s, or are they, is it going to be in present day? Um, I'm going to guess present day, only because if you do early 90s, I feel like you run into the risk of, like, if it's supposed to be a sequel, like, where are all these characters then that we saw Ghostbusters 2? Like, and they're not going to recast, so I, I, I'm going to guess my bet is going to be for today, not the 90s. Yeah, I would I would happen to agree with you, but like on the flip side, it's like it's not like we haven't seen this de aging technology been used in the the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I would, you know, we recently saw it in Aquaman. So, like I, you know, part of me was like, man, wouldn't it be fucking cool if they did early 90s and we got early 90s Dan Aykroyd, early 90s, you know. Uh, uh, Ernie Hudson, early '90s Bill Murray, if he does decide to come back and and do this, and then we get an explanation explanation as to why you know Egon is not in this film, you know. But yeah, you know, it's you're probably right. It's probably going to be set in 2019, 2020, around our time now, 
and uh, it's going to be a passing of the torch kind of film. Um, Finn Wolfhard, how how old are they passing this kid off to be now? Isn't he like eighteen or nineteen in real life now? <laughs> I don't, I mean I don't is he that old though. Like, I don't know. He's he, not. He's not. He's not fucking twelve or whatever. I don't know how the fuck old is this kid. He's like seven on. foot tall right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. He he looks pretty young. He's got a young face still. So. Sure, I know. Yeah, Tom Holland looks young too, and he's like twenty two. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna it. guess thirteen. He's not thirteen right now. No. No, there's no way. There's no way that Finn Wolf. Uh, type into Google. Go into Google right now. Type in how old. Is Finn Hold on, it's, I, I'm checking. Why are you he's looking 16. that up? 16? He's 16. Oh, shit. He is 16. He was born in hmm. 2002. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. Yes, he's 16 years old. 16. Jeez. That's the frustrating thing about great child actors. Like, we got two... Two seasons of Stranger Things. Now we got to see him go through puberty. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, but I, yeah, that, that's how it goes with these child actors, right? Like they they get they get old really fast. So yeah, you got to like film it right away so you can still capture that. I still look like I'm thirteen. Look. Yeah, sixteen. He, they're definitely not going to cast him as a sixteen-year-old. It's not it like not like he's going to be driving a car around and shit. No, I, I could see them going as young as like fourteen or thirteen yeah. here. Like, yeah, they could. I, I think they could get away with it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Let's move on into Marvel news. Is that yeah? That's good enough. Uh, <laughs> when you just don't give a fuck anymore um, Here's a rumor about the uh, unreleased Fox New Mutants film uh, From Dark Horizons At present the film is slated to open August 2nd And uh, THR reports that the project remains firmly In the hands of the director Josh Boone for the moment In addition they say while it is very likely it will get a release. It's a safe bet that it could well bypass cinemas and make its way onto the new Disney Plus streaming service set uh, to premiere. Uh, Disney is expected to complete its acquisition of 20th Century Fox by mid-March, which is this month, at which time it will likely start shaking up Fox's product, product currently in the pipeline. So, uh, yeah, they're predicting that uh, New Mutants... It, which, guys, um, this was supposed to release in April of last year. Uh, they're expecting <laughs> this uh, PG-13 New Mutants film starring Maisie Williams and uh, let's say, what, I don't know, what's, what's her name from, uh, she is in Thoroughbreds. Anya Taylor-Joy. She was also oh, in Glass. Yeah, yeah. Right, she's, right, right. she's playing Magic in this one and uh, one of the one of the kids from fucking Stranger Things is also in this. The uh, older brother of uh, Finn Wolfhard was it the Wolfhard kid? Or no, it was Will. It was Will's older brother. He was the guy. That oh, got... um, Steve. Yeah, sure. No, no not, no, not Steve. Steve. Steve was the preppy yeah. kid. 
Uh, this is Will. Remember Will who got lost in the Upside Down? His older brother. You know, oh, Winona Ryder's kid. oldest kid. Yeah, 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 that kid. I'm blanking on his name, but yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, Timmy. We'll call him Timmy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he plays Cannonball. Yeah. He's in the, he's going to be in this movie. Too. Didn't he get in, didn't, in real life? Didn't that guy get in trouble for cocaine? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he tried to he... bring it through an airport. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking loser. <laughs> Smart move. Uh, yeah. The, this thing's never seen in a theater, right? It's no. It's not going to be released it, in the theater fuck, now. No, it's not going to be in the fucking theater. It's going to hit Hulu or it's going to hit Disney+. Plus. This thing's going straight to the streaming service. It, and what, yeah. what a disappointment because that trailer they released looks so damn good. I don't agree And I just remember that. thinking like, oh, man, this looks really interesting. Like, I this is it, a... I thought it looked stupid. I thought you liked it. Fuck no, I didn't like. Jake liked that fucking thing. I didn't like. Oh, it. I like. I liked it. <laughs> I thought yeah. it was stupid. I know Disney has so much riding on that streaming service. I do wonder if they don't feel good about this movie. I, I wonder if it doesn't end up on Hulu instead. It's gonna hit. I gotta, the, yeah, yeah. It's gonna hit Hulu. They haven't even like uh, Simon Kinberg like. Uh, came out recently and said that they you know they they'd scheduled reshoots for this thing reshoots haven't even happened yet and that it's they haven't done any reshoots or anything so everything seems to be in the hands of uh, of Boone right now Josh Boone and he hasn't done anything they haven't scheduled reshoots they haven't shot anything so i think this is going to go straight to hulu Yeah, there was That's some storyboards sense. at one point that showed like magic fighting uh, demon bear and crazy shit. Like it looked very different from what I, I wonder what that movie really is all about. Is it like just a bunch of kids with superpowers stuck in a haunted house or something different? I don't know. It's it was supposed to. OK, it was originally what it felt like. It was a bunch of kids stuck in a mental institution and trying to get yeah. out. Right. And, you know, I don't know. I, they were supposed to do a bunch of reshoots. You doing okay over there, Rebecca? You sound like yes. you're yawning and shit. No, no, no. Sorry. I I meant to mute myself because I had to clear my throat. Sorry. You're fine. If you, if you need, to, need to yawn, if I'm boring you, if I'm boring the piss out of you right now, just let me know. You're not, Sorry. You're not boring me. I had to cough. That's all there was to Sorry. it. Sorry. I'm, I'm, you know, I know I'm not exciting as uh, Jack in the back of a car. You know, <laughs> imagine if that boat hadn't sank the terrible surprise that the owner of that car was in for. Oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. The fucked up thing is I bet Fabrizio already fucking like he already he already he already he already christened that car before they before Rose and Jack even hit it. Yeah. I bet you Fabrizio just jerked off in that fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> I beat you to it. I beat oh you to it. I'm gonna drop a load at the back of the car. What's crazy is your name is a Jack, and I already did that in the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, you can get out of here, you fucking stereotypical insensitive son of a bitch. That is terrible. What are you you thinking, Cameron? Anyway. (laughs) 
Fat Pete Joe jerking <laughs> off I, in the I, back of that car. <laughs> Jack and Diane. Hey, um. <laughs> Eternals movies never gonna. Oh no, uh, the New Mutant movies never gonna come out. Um, it'll never hit theaters. Remember when that was uh, when they were showing that fucking movie, the trailer in the theater. Mm-hmm. I do remember. Remember seeing yeah. the poster in the theaters, Rebecca? I sure do. I sure do. April, April 2018. Get ready for the New Mutants. Oh boy. <laughs> You were ex- you liked it. You liked the trailer. I did not like the trailer. I did. I thought the trailer was interesting, and I thought it was cool, and I was excited to watch this movie. Yeah, I'd rather watch Fabrizio jerk it in the back of a goddamn car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's Italian, is it spanking the salami? Is that the term we have to use? Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> keep him happy. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. Italian sausage. Right. The Brajol, we call you. The Brajol. Uh, what was it? Uh, I don't know. Uh, Kevin Feige was talking about the Eternals movie. He was yakking it up about that thing. Okay. <laughs> Kevin Feige. Talking about the Eternals movie. Uh, to, um, let's see here. Uh, yeah, he was talking about that thing. That's fucking fucking. That's... <laughs> <laughs> no, what's interesting? Well, what's interesting about the uh, the Eternals movie is uh, that uh, they might introduce a uh, openly gay character in this one, and uh, they might cast an openly gay actor in this one too. Hmm. So that's the thing that's happening right now. And I, yeah, that's cool. I'm all for it. And uh, who do they? They, but they. Let's see here. Who is the actor they were talking? They were talking about it, casting Icarus as uh, the guy that played Hazel, and uh, Cameron Britton. Oh, okay. He oh, played cool. Hazel yeah. in the Umbrella Academy. So, nice. yeah, I love that that guy. Yeah, and he, like you said, Rebecca, earlier in the episode, he was the the serial killer in Mindhunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was. Can't wait for Mindhunter season two. Shit, I think like Mindhunter. Is like the new True Detective. Like, I love, don't get me wrong, I really enjoyed True Detective Season 3. And there were some Tupperware episodes. But, like, I feel like as far as, like, I can't give that whole season a Tupperware. I feel like the new the new shit was fucking Mindhunter. Gotcha. Mindhunter was fantastic. Yeah, so good. It was. I, I don't disagree. I thought it was one of the standout uh, shows that Netflix has, has put out recently. Uh, let's see here. Doesn't it sound like I want to wrap this bitch up? Doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm reading through stuff and I'm picking and choosing like what we're going to talk about. You can always tell an episode's really good when I do this. Do <laughs> 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 I really want to talk about this? No, let's move on. Um, yeah, do I really want to talk about how important Kevin Feige thinks the quantum realm is? Have we have have I fucking talked about that enough? Have I? I mean, really, quantum realm? Are we talking about quantum realm more? I mean, it's clear to me how important it is. I guess 
Kevin Feige doesn't think it's clear to everybody if he's still talking about it. Well, people are asking him about it. I don't know. I think Kevin's kind of like, yeah, it's fucking important. Leave me alone. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if Kevin was just like, Jesus Christ, yeah, the quantum realm is everything. Leave me alone. Yeah, it, it's funny. I saw that comment, too, and, you know, like, Marvel doesn't seem to disappoint too much. If if the quantum realm is a big part of Endgame, I don't know if I want the quantum realm everywhere and everything. It's like, I don't know. It might be enough for me. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Yeah, he... Uh... He said that uh, the quantum realm is really important. I think it's one of the fun things about the comics that allow you to explore entirely new terrains. And we've seen it at now in numerous films, and it's untapped. Um, So, I mean... I, one of our listeners, Robin Oakley, she sent me a picture of uh, of a Funko Pop uh, car- uh, Funko Pop toy, uh, and it was Tony's Endgame suit, one of his Endgame suits, and it's Tony in his quantum suit. So, like, this is, like, basically confirmation, like, these quantum suits are a real thing. Like, this is not just concept art that's being, you know, thrown around on the internet. Like, we're going to see these quantum suits in the film. Like, the quantum realm is going to be a big fucking deal. Mm-hmm. In uh, in Endgame, like we're gonna get, and qu- the qu- part of the quantum realm is time travel, but the time vortex is like this is stuff that's gonna happen. So, yeah, um, and I'm gonna say it again. Once they go back, I, they're gonna go back to New York City. They're gonna go back to the Battle of the Chitari. We're gonna get that pan shot of the Avengers, that that uh, that famous pan shot of them, like as the, as the camera's rotating. We're gonna get that fucking shot of all the Avengers assembled for the first time. But they're going to do it with a different spin. We could get, like, we could get fucking, for all we know, we could get two Thors in that shot. We could get Ant-Man in that shot now. We could get, you know, I mean, we don't know what we're going to get in that fucking, in that new shot. But um, I'm looking forward to seeing Endgame. Jesus, fuck. That's going to be, like, less than uh, two months now we're going to see Endgame. We're going to know what happens. We're going to know if Tony dies or not, if Cap dies or not. I'm thinking Tony's dead now fucking sucks I, I i think tony's dead too i think cap's dead to too be honest. he might be i i still have my hopes out that he goes that he goes back in time and like lives out his life and with with peggy that's still my i'm still holding yeah. out hope for that I, would, I love that that's a nice theory i i, I really like that i like that theory uh, too i just feel like it just bookends his story so well and I don't know. I just I just want that nice little happy ending for Captain America. But I, I, I do think Tony's going to die. I really do. I do, too. There's a screen rant had an article titled Serena Williams might have just spoiled Avengers Endgame. Like, what the fuck? Serena Williams, the fucking tennis player. This is getting ridiculous now. Serena Williams <laughs> might have just spoiled Avengers Endgame. She's a she's a tennis player. Like, what insider information does she have that is going to spoil the movie? Here's the article. While Marvel Studios has been doing a great job keeping the public guessing with what's going on in Endgame, Williams' recent social media post may have spoiled what lies ahead for the fan favorite Steve Rogers. Taking a short video of Evans during the Academy Awards last Sunday, the decorated athlete can be heard saying that she's, quote, devastated that he died in the movie Avengers. Her friend quickly reminded Williams that it's a secret. 
The clip, which has since been taken down, was posted on her official Instagram account via comic book resources, but not before fan accounts were able to save a copy. I will try to play this audio for you if I can. Hold on just a moment here. And don't worry, part of me wants to play Jack and Diane instead, but <laughs> I, I will not. Hold on, let me try to play this real quick. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard yeah, it. She just said, I'm devastated that he died. And then her, yeah, so, um, I don't know. I, is it that she knows that Captain America dies in Avengers Endgame, or does she just not remember what happened at the end of Infinity War? Like, does she, you know, could she, could she just be like a casual fan that, like, thinks that Cap died at the end of Infinity War and forgot that he was not actually involved in the snap? I, I mean, I just, I just question, like, her insider information. Like, I, I, it just seems to, I don't know. It just, it seems like, uh, I don't know. It just seems weird. I, I, I think she's, I think she thought maybe he died in the other movie. Um, I just don't see why she would have like insider information like that. She's Serena Williams. Yeah, I know, but like. Does that mean she knows every secret about every yes. movie that's coming out yeah. ever? Yes, it does. <laughs> can uh, can fucking Jimmy Connors tell me what happens in Spider-Man Homecoming 2? Or what, what, yes. every in this? That was her handprint in the back of that car in Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about Serena Williams. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, then I stand corrected. She knows everything about everything. Got I don't know. I, yeah, it's a good, it's, it's, I mean, that's the thing, Rebecca. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like, like, does she have that insider information? Does she have that insider information? Or is she just mistaken by saying that and forgetting that Chris, you know, Chris Evans' character of Captain America did not die at the end of, uh, of Infinity War? I, I'm leaning towards that, that she doesn't know. But on the flip side, that doesn't mean that Chris Evans, Captain America, you know, survives Endgame. So. True. I mean, he could still die. It's not like, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just question this whole thing. I just, it doesn't seem like. Ah, it's Serena Williams. Reliable, I mean, reliable source. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, like, I don't go to, I go to Serena Williams to learn about tennis. She's the new TMZ. To learn about her hot takes on the Marvel Universe. I'm just. No, I, she I she is know. like, that's where the that hashtag show and all like these like, you know, outlets, her, right? they're all <laughs> going to Serena Williams. She's got all oh, the, okay. she's the goddamn fucking Oracle. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Things got real quiet there. <laughs> I, I, I agree with what you both said. Thank you. I'm glad. I'm glad that when like nobody knows what to say, they will just say, "I agree." I agree. <laughs> All right. You know what? No DC news. I'm just gonna let's just end this fucker. Oh. 
Uh, hold on. Hold on. I do have DC news, though. Um, let's see here. Yeah, it's time for DC news. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news, you fucking pieces of shit. This has been the worst episode we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Um, yeah, Ezra Miller, and you guys are a part of it. Hey, Ezra Miller, he plays very. Yeah, you added to the craptacular episode True. that this is. Um, Ezra Miller, he plays Barry Allen in the uh, Flash. And uh, uh, he plays Barry Allen the Flash in the DCEU films, and. Uh, he had some quotes this week about the upcoming film. Rebecca, if you're going to yawn, please, come on. You're killing me right now. you got to mute that shit. <laughs> Jesus oh, fucking really Christ. Sorry. I apologize. Number two, I it's apologize. like second yawn. Like, seriously. Like, I just I got apologize. done talking about how much this episode fucking sucked. And you're like, you know what, Brian? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you know it does. And I'm going I'm to yawn. I'm going to yawn on right. fucking mic right you're now. Right. I should have hit the mute. I apologize. No, no. Please let me know how I am fucking underperforming for you right now let me know let me know that there's not let me know that there's not one hand being thrown up on the fucking glass of a car window right now let me know how fucking bored you are right now you guys are killing me jesus i'm sorry dad yelling at my mom God. All right. Yeah, Rebecca, you win. We're done. We're, no, we're, no, you win. No, no. You win. No, You're the winner. No. You win. DC oh, News. Oh, geez. No, no. Finish your story about Ezra Miller. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Brian. Finish your story that fucking made me yawn my ass off a moment ago. <laughs> Please, Brian. Please. Please continue. <laughs> Please, I, I, please continue with your fucking ambient-induced no. story. Oh, my God. Now I feel terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, I drank a, a lot of alcohol this uh-huh. evening, and it's kicking in, and I apologize. Oh, God. Greg, what talk about fucking Fabrizio or something. I don't know, dude. I don't know. Uh, I think I spent all my Fabrizio bullets earlier. Mm. You want me to uh, review the PlayStation Classic again? I can do that. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, this episode is ter- this episode is garbage. <laughs> it's. A- you, you know, Brian. You know I love your show. And then I mean, this, <laughs> you, you know, Brian. You know, Brian I, 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 I used to be a fan. <laughs> I, I, I love your show. Yeah. This one, you know, this one's in the bottom, bottom quartile. God, I mean, yes, this yeah. is terrible. This is awful. Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. It's my fault. This is my fault. I know. I've got to put this one out of its misery. Like I don't care. Yeah, there's. Flash, you've got people right in that movie. They're still planning on coming out with it. That's it. We are done. I am done. I have got to put this one to bed. Like, sometimes you just got to, like, you, sometimes you just got to, like, throw your hands up in the air and you just got to offer sweet surrender. You know what I mean? Like, this is, like, this is not 
the Battle of Tyr- Minas Tirith in uh, the Return of the King, where you've got uh, Aragorn, and he's saying, all right, uh, elves and uh, humans and dwarves, we're going to fight together and win this one. This is basically him just saying, yeah, fuck it. Yeah, we're done. Right? Are they going to talk about DC News on Kevin Pollock's podcast? Maybe I'm just curious. Oh, that's just... that's an inside joke for the Facebook page. You're, Sorry, you're destroying this episode, Greg. Sorry. All right, I'm going to be between quiet. between Sorry. you and uh, Rebecca over there yawning. <laughs> oh, All right, guys. Hey, um, yeah. Awkward moment here. Uh, we're going to end it on an awkward moment because I got nothing else. So, um, yeah, just like all good leftovers say on their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage and thanks for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. <laughs> damn. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. Already like 7 million podcasts Talking about pop culture and all that Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before And we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Could it toss it, could it taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carry over counterculture pushovers Pop culture Leftovers Cool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, be sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers, podcast that original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft. And we're the shaft, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. The only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.